This is a FUBAR Radio podcast. For more information, go to foobarradio.com. Nick Helm and Nathaniel Metcalf's fan club on FUBAR Radio. Hello, listeners. Uh, can, can Does that work? Does that speak, Hayley? Yes, does, I think so. Oh, what was that? Was that you? <laughs> we're on the radio. You don't hear that, do you? That's Natalie and Theo shouting we're on. This is uh, Nick Helm and Nathaniel Metcalf's fan club. But, as you can tell already from the professional opening, <laughs> uh, Nick Helm isn't with us today. Hang on, is there a... No, that's applause. I was going to see if we had one that was going, ah, oh, but we don't. We don't have a sound <laughs> We've got this one. We've got... Um... But that was... Hang on. It's a long... Yeah. This seems but a bit excessive. It is excessive, but that that suggests that we're pleased that Nick isn't here. Yeah, are you? No. Are you? No. no. Oh, I think we've got. Hang on. All right. Okay, press it to stop it, yeah. <laughs> um, we've got this one. So Nick Helm isn't here today. That sounds oh, sexy. Like a, I thought that was like a boo. That's like a sexy boo. Oh, Your little haven't... face, though, now that you have access to the buttons. I know, I'm very how, excited. How are you ever going to come back to this chair? I know. Well, this is it. Well, so what's happening, right? This is Nick Helm and Nathaniel Metcalf's fan club. Nick Helm isn't here because he's had a panic. He's had a panic that he needs <laughs> to do more rehearsals for I Think You Stink, book, book tickets. <laughs> I'm sure that he's not here, so that means the show will probably be much better for him having not been here. Uh, so I'm here, not not by myself. <laughs> I'll play myself. I'm here with Hayley Campbell. Say hello, Hayley. Hello. Uh, and Hayley Campbell, you might remember, is, was fan club guest number two. Yeah, number two. Number I two. was going to be number one, but I can't remember why. I think I got. I think I said nope. I think there was something like, they were, are you busy or something? I probably made something up, so I wasn't the first one to ruin your show. Oh, right, you're worried. Because yeah. yeah. initially, initially you, we, we were talking about you as being a regular host of... That's right, and then you kicked me out of the band. <laughs> I did, I did. <laughs> Ruthlessly. Too, too many girls. Too many girls. You Not, need more white guys. We do. That's what, they, that's what they say in this industry. More white guys, please. <laughs> um, and we did. We achieved that. And we also achieved that with our booking policy in the main, right? Very much so. Very much so. Very white guy heavy on uh, the uh, on fan club. That's our motto. That's fan club. Yeah, that's fan club. More white guys. <laughs> ah, um, I'm having a coffee. Do you, do you even know, Hayley Campbell, the first rule of fan club? That you have to, to tell your friends about fan club. Good. You do have to tell your friends. And do you know the second rule of fan club? Um, no. You have to tell your friends about fan club? Basically, yeah. yeah. Please, for the love of God, tell your friends <laughs> about fan club. Now, I have known Hayley Campbell sitting opposite me for 11 years. Something like that, yeah. And you're still a relatively young person, aren't you? So I knew you when you were teeny. Yeah, I was uh, early 20s when somehow you became my boss, although you, you insist yeah, right. I wasn't. You are, you, and again, I'm your boss today because I am sitting in the big chair. You have the buttons. I am, I've got all the buttons like Nick Helm normally does. Uh, he's got, so I've got all this. I've got access to this. I've got uh, this one, my favourite. <laughs> Actually, not that one. That's not my favourite. This is my favourite. <laughs> shotgun, shotgun with cock. Um, that's my favourite. You used to mime that a lot when I was your employee. What, shooting myself? Mm -hmm. Probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. Made a very good cup of tea, though. 
Yes, yeah. Uh, Although so you say that a lot, but I reckon I made you just as many cups of tea as yeah, I made I reckon, you. I reckon. So we used to work together in a comic book shop. Yeah. Which um, smelt of armpits and balls, <laughs> but less so than most comic book shops. Speaking I'd say. speaking of armpits and balls, <laughs> um, how are you coping with the heat? I have a sweaty ass right now. So yesterday it was, ass, uh, it was it was frankly disgusting. Well, I think you know, in some ways, I think that is. I think when you're a man, the worst thing you, you tend to get quite. Sweaty balls a lot of the times. Right, and it sticks to your thighs. No, not not even. It sort of sits around, um, like um, you know. So your balls are essentially like um, two uh, boiled eggs in a ramen. <laughs> um, it's like that in a sort of soup, oh. like a broth. Did you see that picture on on Twitter yesterday of a guy? He was on the train and he was on his laptop and he was wearing shorts and sandals and he had taken off his vest and he was hanging it from yeah, the little coat that. hook. I saw that. It was fucking disgusting. <laughs> I felt so sick just looking at it. And I thought, like, I retweeted it and I usually think there's, I, it's a bad, bad scene if you're retweeting like covert pictures of people on public. Oh transport. sure, because like, I think that is horrible. I think that's horrible. But that man had no shame. Absolutely, and not. no one needed to see his tits, and they were all over the place. And he <laughs> deserved all of the shaming he got on Twitter. <laughs> I like that he'd hung up his shirt as he well, so, as if like there's something quite uh, uh, civilized it about so, it. <laughs> it was so yeah. And I I zoomed in on the vest because I was just wringing this out for all the the disgusting details I could get. I out imagine. Of it. He was ringing it out yeah. and well, as you, well. You could see the sweat stain oh, like on the blue vest. It was vile. Ugh. I don't know if we've tracked down that man yet. I hope he's seen it. I hope he's seen what he's done. Well, I guess that's it. Isn't it? There's a lack of shame. So he probably wouldn't mind. He'd go, what's wrong? What's wrong with that? Yeah, we should bring back shame. That was we one should. of the big... That's that was one of the, our big the, things at Gush. The, uh, the campaign mess, the motto, the we message. just bring back more. People should be more ashamed of themselves. <laughs> no one was I mean, ashamed of themselves. I... There needed to be a healthy <laughs> dose of shame. And we used to see men coming in all the time. No shame. Absolutely shameless. Buying the worst things. Sure. And uh, but then there were the people who had shame and would hide the terrible things between other things. I don't mind that. I quite like that. I respect yeah, shame. But that was that yeah. was good. You went good, yeah. good. Yeah, I do. But just blatantly handing me something terrible, please. <laughs> and you're from you're from Australia, aren't you? You're from Brisbane, Australia. Yeah. So I'm Bris Vegas. Bris Vegas. <laughs> Why do they call? Because they've got a casino. You've we, got one casino. We've got one casino, but that arrived while I was growing up, so I don't know what we called it before. Brisbane. Bris Brisbane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they probably called it by its actual name. Yeah. So it's hot there. So yesterday the the weather was stuff I'm used to, but this country is not built for it. You don't have no. any air conditioning. You're, even the railways, you can't go they above just, 27 degrees. <laughs> they give up. They literally buckle. <laughs> so I'm supposed to be fine with it. And for the most part, I am. It's just this country now. Well, well that, is, that is the problem with the weather, I think. It's, yeah. it's that no one here knows how to deal with it. Nobody, it's like just, everyone just freaks out. And I, it may be because I come from the comic shop mm-hmm. and I, um, uh, you know, I have experienced things, various traumas, but... Deodorant doesn't seem to be that, that <laughs> big a deal in the UK. Not a big deal in the UK. No. And I think, but, you know, one of the good things to come out of the comic shop is I think I ingested so much BO sure. over the years that um, I think I've fried that ability in myself. I can no longer smell it. Like on public transport, people go, oh, it stinks of armpit. Really? You've given up. I've, I've, I've smelt so much of it. I think I've it taken in my quota for my life. We had Morgan McLean on last week, and she's got a cheese shop, and she says that <laughs> she's, she just doesn't know. Does she so smell of cheese? No, she didn't, okay. but I think she worries she does now. I think that's her thing. Like she goes, I probably just smell of cheese all the time. She didn't, but like I might, <laughs> but you, you, can, you can understand the worry. 
Well, you would have been on this side, been of that. That side of so that. So you would have had a, a so better if she go. Had, yeah, I'd say, you know, if she had, I'd have said, yeah, you do smell of cheese. But she didn't. <laughs> didn't. Would I have if said If you that? had to smell a cheese, what kind would you like to smell of? Well, I don't know, because that was that cheese shop that you, you accidentally walked past. Um, have you ever walked past that cheese shop on uh, in Covent Garden? Neil's Yard. Yeah, Neil's Yard. Yeah. I walk past that, okay. Like, I walk, that's a, that's one of my um, cut-throughs. Mm-hmm. So I go through that, right? I always forget it's there. Always smells of Stilton. Oh, is that what it is? I think so. I think I it's because it always smells like you've got a a kind of vomit. Yeah. It's like someone's basically ate some powdered um, parmesan and then vomited it. <laughs> it's that kind of oh, ugh, ugh. <laughs> it's delicious. So I, um, you know, but we, I was trying because I'm quite fearful of lots of cheeses, but I had. Um, You're fearful oh, of cheeses. Well, like lots of ones that I don't know what they are. What's that? I had some lovely cheeses last week. Loved do, them all. Do you like a goat cheese? That was nice, but no, they, everything that's, was. That's the only cheese I'll, I'll step back from. It's disgusting. Everything they said, they and they kept. She kept saying this one was really strong, but when I had it, it wasn't strong in the least. Did you feel like a hard man? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I felt like uh, I felt this is this is how other people feel when they play sports. <laughs> that's how I felt. I felt like this is my sp- eating cheese is my <laughs> is my sport. I think I think I'm good at it. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't there. Okay, this one's really strong. So they kept warning me because I was. Um, uh, uh, a bit worried about it, um, but I'd have every cheese, and I go, it's not strong at all, not strong at all. I had a strong, a strong cheddar, uh-huh. crumbly, sharp. Well, they said that. They said, oh, it's a bit tangy, isn't it? It's like nothing, like nothing to me. I could go stronger. <laughs> I could go stronger. So strong. Mm. Uh, so, so in Australia, yeah. it's hot. It's hot. But it, it's fine. They plan for it. There are beaches. People drive around in there. When it gets really, really hot, the air conditioning in all the shopping centres, because we have Westfields, they, oh, all, yeah. they all die because it's just too hot and they can't deal with it anymore. So people drive around in their cars just endlessly so they can use the air conditioning. Oh, that's nice. And, Do uh, people have air conditioning in their houses? Yes. We had it when Oof. I was a kid, but only, well, when I was an older teenager. For the couple of years before I left home, we had air conditioning. <clears throat> and but only in one room of the house. And so. is your air conditioning like those ones you get in American films where they stick them in the window? No, I'm terrified of those in New York. They look like they're going to fall out the and window. And they do, don't they? And that's what, that's they what often happens. They often fall out and kill people. Yeah. And they're like portable air conditioning devices that you hang on a window. You see absolute idiots go, like buying an air conditioner in New York and then just shoving it in the window. What are mm. they holding it in with? Like blue tack and stuff? Uh, I don't know. Well, to be honest, I mean, what can, it's a big thing, isn't it? It's a big unit that might fall out. <laughs> so it makes sense that that must happen, must kill people all the time. Yeah, I think they do. So you, you. So we had it in one room of my house, and then um, if it got really hot, we'd all sort of sleep in the lounge. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> because it just, it would break if we tried to air condition the whole house. Yeah. It just can't handle it. We, we have fans over here. And fans are just things that don't really work. I sat in front of one all day yesterday. Yeah, you just need delightful. a massive one. Yeah. That's all you've got. It's not Have like, you got one? No. You were thinking about wearing shorts yesterday. I, I, I haven't worn shorts in 11 years. 12 years. Um, I get, I'm too self-conscious to wear shorts. I've got a pair of shorts. And on Wednesday evening, having found it was going to be 38 degrees, I tried them on just to see if I could get them around <laughs> my waist. And happily, happily, they did... I could, and I could do the zip up. I could do my fly up as well. And that was my other worry. And I've got them, um, yeah, nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. What colour are your knees? Have they ever seen the sun? Uh, no, but they're like, um, you know, they, they look kind of uh, reddish, I guess. Uh-huh. 
Little uh, schoolboys always have really red knees. I think that's what mine are like. Yeah, <laughs> I've got my schoolboy knees. <laughs> they're not like they're not like pure white, mm-hmm. um, and they actually look quite. Um, um, they're, they're sort of like quite. I wouldn't say like big, but they're quite. Um, You've got big knees. No, but like I've got sort of quite swollen with arthritis. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Maybe I'm dying. Maybe it's like um, deep vein thrombosis or something. Do you I get d- that? Yeah. That no, they're quite. They, they look. They look actually look all right. But I, I only ever see them from that angle, looking down. You know, so I never really. Um, I don't think they're that terrible. But I just think like. Like, I don't really like seeing knees. No, even if you've got the loveliest knees in the world, I don't sure. think anyone should be wearing shorts. There are sure. reasons I left Australia, and shorts is one of them. Of course, of course. What kind of shorts do they wear? What's a... uh, they're called stubbies. Stubbies? Yeah. What's a stubby look like? They're always little blue short shorts that men wear. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they wear a Bonds singlet, which is sort of a Rab C Nesbit, except not the mesh thing. And that's blue and always faded and always has some sort of stains down the front. Right, yeah. Because I, I think shorts are different in different countries, aren't they? Because, like, uh, I think in the UK and Australia, the Commonwealth, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe it's something to do with the Queen, they, uh, they, you do tend to wear a short short traditionally, right? Yes. Uh, there are some shorts that I see around, like, on bodybuilders and things, and I think those are Austrian shorts. And what's an Austrian I, short? That's just, I think that's just pure racism. I have no, nothing to back <laughs> that up at all. Uh, they're, they're basically the little shorts I saw Arnold Schwarzenegger wear. That's based in, on the thing, then. His, Yeah, so it's based on a thing, and then I assume that they're still in the 70s. So this is like um, a pumping iron era, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, yeah. And there's a, there's a bodybuilder I've seen around who wears, like, really tight leggings that are flared at the bottom. I don't even know where he would get them. That seems quite disco. Yeah. Is that, is that, yeah. Is that, would that be appropriate? Maybe, yeah. yeah. A flared legging. I quite. I think I'm, I could. <laughs> I think I could pull off a flared legging. I remember. Flared you, at what point? Uh, flared like where jeans flare. I remember you had a pair of jeans that were kind of flared at the yeah, bottom. Yeah. Do you remember that time you came back from work? You came back to work after you. But you bought a pair of jeans yeah. that were too tight for you, and you'd returned it, and you were pleased with yourself. Oh yeah, yeah, I was, because I, I went back to the shop and I said, uh, uh, "Can I return these jeans, please?" Uh, because I miss, I misunderstood how big my ass was, <laughs> and and that was. I tried to think of an excuse, <laughs> but then I thought, well, let's just say that. And they were delighted with that. <laughs> I remember the time you were picking up a box of comics and you split your jeans. Oh, yeah, but yeah, there yeah. was no there was like no waiting point between splitting the arse of your jeans and then you putting that box down and you headed out to just go to Oxford Street to buy new jeans. There's oh, like, yeah. There's no time. Absolutely. There's no time. It was just like, I'm going now. I have to go. And then I have to go and fix the box of books you've <laughs> left in the middle of the floor. Although when I broke my jeans... Broke them? <laughs> <laughs> Are you suggesting that when you, you split it, it's something different? <laughs> Yours just broke. <laughs> they broke, did they? They didn't. They were faulty jeans. Your didn't come out. My them. ass exploded out of the jeans. Do you remember I asked you, how bad is it? <laughs> Show, I, I oh, yeah, showed yeah, yeah, you yeah, my yeah. ass. And it was so bad that I had to tie a cardigan around my waist. But I spent the rest of the day talking to everybody in the shop and thinking, do they know my whole ass is hanging out the back of my jeans? Probably not. And they See, didn't. I think there's a bit of me, the bit of me, the, the old me, who's arse came out the back of their jeans <laughs> and then immediately left to buy some more jeans. <laughs> that guy now... Taking care of business. That guy I respect now. Because I remember late, I reckon, within a year, probably, let's say, six months, <laughs> when it happened again. <laughs> Which it always is. Oh, yeah. How many jeans have we gone through? I don't know. 
as my ass gone through more like <laughs> um but loads count like countless i've lost countless genes to my ass fallen soldiers yes fallen soldiers <laughs> I have a funeral for them. They're like it's like um, Return of the Jedi. I set fire to them on a pyre and push them out into like a Viking funeral. Um, uh, but I'd say the next time that happened, my jeans went. I did what you did and went. All oh, right, I'll just tie my jumper around my waist. And then I think this is just my life. Then now. I think like one of my mates was like it might have been Ozzy came around and said, oh, "I just want to go for a pint." And I went sure. And so I even left with. Like, I went out with, like, my arse hanging out. Because, <laughs> like, like, it's it almost feels, like... It, I felt exhilarated knowing that my whole arse was hanging out and no one could see it. And it, felt, it was, like, my little secret. Was it that like, sounds uh, perverted. I sound like a bit... Well, I is it? Disgusting. Or is it... So was that more than this, like, it was cooler? You go, oh, it's quite nice, actually. Yeah, it was breezy. Mm. I often see women in summer dresses and think... That looks nice. No, I'll tell you what, it, it's not because uh, your thighs rub together. So it's sort of a false economy of, right. uh, of cooling down because you're just creating more... Static. Yeah, heat and... Energy. Uh, horrible. Yeah, it's horrible. You just get... It's, it's more sweaty, I think, than wearing, okay. wearing jeans. Okay. We've been shown a picture of some jorts. Why are they called jorts? Are they jean shorts? Jean shorts. Ah, uh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. It's science sense. has spliced them, and this is what they've created. I would say that's, that's, they're the kind of shorts that typically I'd imagine would be a big deal in Australia. Yeah, Often, well, they seem to be a big deal in, uh, well, in Hackney. People have the, the shorts. Is that an the, ironic The, the pockets thing poking now? out the bottom as well. The pockets poking out the bottom? Yeah, so they cut the jeans off, so they're... Short jean shorts, but leave the pockets so the pockets are longer than the shorts. I was watching William Friedkin's Sorcerer this week. It's a good film, and uh, that's a very sweaty film. It, oh, it's, it's a, a sweaty good, fi- good, it's a good, heat it's good heatwave film. <laughs> yeah, like it, humid. Yeah. Also, humid. I think the last time I saw that was in the cinema, and I was so tense that when I left, I, I felt like I'd had a massage or something because mm-hmm. all of my muscles suddenly relaxed. Oh Just, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, That's God. quite nice. It was yeah, it was I, it was a horrible two hours of my life because you're just like oh my God. Hey, I was going to yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, good. We film. got sent it free last week. Really? So we had a, a, a listener uh, sent in a bunch of uh, free stuff, including um, two sorcerer posters signed by Freakin. Well, he was just at the Prince Charles Cinema, I think. Who oh, was he, Freakin? Yeah. Oh, for to live and die in LA. Yeah. Yeah. That's another film where there are good genes. Yeah. William Peterson wears good genes in that film. I think I think Friedkin's really grown into himself. <laughs> I think he's got a good old man face. Uh, I think Brian and he's got he's got that kind of uh, voice that's quite good for old men as well. I think. I think Brian De Palma's really grown into his ears. Sure. Do you like to look at pictures of Brian De Palma's ears? Mm, they stick out like wing sure. nuts, and they're they're gorgeous. Okay. I, do you know really what? I don't know. Actually, to be honest, I've never really noticed his ears. We went and watched that documentary, and the whole time I was looking at mostly at his ears. Oh, right, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what we do. Me, me and Campbell often go and see documentaries and things that are basically for very few people. We, we, we saw it at the BFI. In Men in anoraks. Three so, people? Yeah, that, that bit, the cinema and the, the BFI that seats. Studio. Yeah, it's the, the studio. studio. <laughs> it's the one right next to the bar, but it's between the bar and the box office. It's yeah. just like, what are it's we going to do box. with this space? Yeah. It's a little box. How many does it seat? Like 20? 30. Yeah, 30 at most. You'd think they could sell it out, though, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> and so we spent a Friday night seeing the De Palma documentary, and there was a... Uh, who else was there? There was two people there on a date. There was a couple, date. wasn't there? Yeah. yeah, a couple on a date, which yeah. seemed like an odd... Um... I thought, this is a misstep. Mm. And I think they left. I think they might have left. Because when the lights came up, it was just you and me. <laughs> <laughs> was there, wasn't there not another old lonely soldier there? Another cornflake? <laughs> 
was it not? One of the, one of the guys we know. Oh, sure. One of our guys. I mean, I've been that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm regularly him. <laughs> but you know, I, I like there. to go to the BFI early so we I can watch those guys come in. I'm like, oh, here, oh, yeah, here yeah, he yeah. is. Sit at the back. Yeah. Sit at the back. See who comes in. Perhaps <laughs> a blue um, a blue carrier. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's always a blue carrier bag. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that with their uh, uh, shuffling in, <laughs> uh, strange shaped people, like from the uh, Jim Henson creature shop. Yeah, yeah, Jim Henson, Jim Henson, yeah. <laughs> Jim Henson's creature shop, or sort of bent over. Or I do like it, but I do also worry. I go, this is just me in the future. This is just me. It's me now. Have you um, ever gone to the BFI and not been able to figure out the crowd? You go, this just doesn't make any sense. Oh yeah, like I love to try and work out who's here. Yeah. I don't like it when it's tribey, though. I no. much prefer it when it's, like, totally, like, who are all these people? I really love to walk down... Uh, what, who did we go and see? Um, thingy. The, the, well, the guy, old guy who died. Jason King. Oh, Peter Wingard. Yeah, walking down the South Bank that night on the way to the BFI, I was pointing oh, at people. can just tell who's going. going I'm going to see you and you and you. <laughs> It's like when I went to see the Sisters of Mercy at the Roundhouse, walked all the way through Camden, pointing at people I knew were going to be there. And I was with sure. someone who was just pointing at goths. And I'm like, no, 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 it's a very specific kind. Oh, is it? I was going to say, it's in Camden. That's like a needle in a haystack, Yeah, isn't it? that's why I felt special. It was like a, you could it's a special Because you've got some goth blood. Thing. Yeah. And, uh, you I was sense like, your own. Sniff I, them out. <laughs> I could sense them. And they were wearing the T-shirts that they were wearing back in the 80s. Oh, it was very special. But not Sisters of Mercy t-shirts. No, no, you have to have adjacent t-shirts, but not the Sisters of Mercy t-shirts. Sure, sure. I think that's it. I think, um, I said to my brother about that the other day, my brother didn't see anything weird with uh, people that wear t-shirts of the band to go and see the band. No, you should should kill yourself. I think that's that's awful. It's wrong. You have shame. Yeah, I think that's a shameful thing. Especially if they're brand new. I don't want anyone to know where I'm going. I always want to look the opposite of where I'm... I don't want anyone to think I'm part of their gang. Yeah. That's that's the last thing. Because otherwise, like, um, you know, it's like um, encouraging a conversation with someone, isn't it? I don't want to do that. No. I want to avoid any conversation with anyone. No, because then you, if tribes... Like, if the, the people think that you're one of them, you go, mm. is this what I look like? You think mm. I'm one of your... Do you think the, the cornflakes... Of the of the BFI. we call that we call the people cornflakes who are the people who come in <laughs> the shambling shambling let's let's go let's say men um, um, uh, but do you think they see you at the BFI and they're like oh, I knew that guy would be here maybe maybe they do that's it because that's what I want because I don't know that I don't that's not how I look to them because you don't have a blue carrier bag but you no. will have the same one backpack for ten years oh, sure. I was here for one changeover of the backpack. <laughs> Because I'm longer than a sure. decade. And I take a backpack everywhere. I won't not everywhere. have it. And I don't know what it's full of, but it is always full. Heavy. Oh, it's heavy. It's, this is a comedian thing. Comedians always have a really heavy backpack, and I don't know, and a Casio digital watch. <laughs> they do, yeah. That's a, that's yeah. a comedian starter pack. That's got one. But the backpack, the watch, if I see someone like that on a bus, I go, bet they're a comedian. <laughs> probably, because there's probably, I think... You can ration out comedians so there can be one on every bus now. Yeah. There's millions of them. <laughs> Absolutely millions of them. Everyone's, hey, everyone's a comedian. <laughs> so you, you do have quite, uh, like you would say, you you are you are quite gothy. Uh, I would say. I, I don't know. I, you're less gothy than lots of people, but you've got a bit of it in you, haven't you? Yeah. I mean, the, the teenage pictures are embarrassing, the, the teenage photographs that I keep. Buried and may well burn. Right. Okay. I, but I was a I was a pack goth. Oh yeah. My favourite kind. 
Okay. <laughs> and in Australia? Yeah, in Australia. And I would, so um, everybody's complaining that it's hot, but come on. I used to wear uh, ridiculous things in 40 degree heat. Like you know, what? Uh, fishnets and PVC in 40 degree heat. That's not. That's I wore a fishnet a P- top. P- there's never any need for a PVC. No, no, it's disgusting. But I wore a fishnet top to a music festival and then got sunburned. And then the next day I looked like a ham. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was thinking like, um, what's that? Like, uh, isn't that one of the, like a, a Connect Four looking uh, yeah. thing? Yeah. It'd look a bit like that. Yeah. So I just looked like a ham. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but but you quite like the sun now, don't you? Yeah, it's so great. It's great. I, oh, I'm depressed. Did you always I'm like the sun? I'm depressed in January and February. No one should live here in January and February. No, but I think that's an Australian thing, right? But, I don't know Australians that don't live in the UK that don't have seasonal affective disorder. Yeah, we all just get sad. And the ones who have money <laughs> just go back to Australia for two months. And then I see them all on Instagram and I hate them. Hmm. Uh, but, it, yeah, it's just, it's not right. I don't know how you live in the dark. It, it, I'm solar-powered. That makes sense. I quite like it. I quite like it. Oh, I never even finished my point, which is the fan club way. We never finish a point we're making. <laughs> in Sorcerer, it's very Billy Connolly. Come back to it. Yeah, but we never come back to it. We just, <laughs> we've left that behind. That's gone. Um, the thing in Sorcerer, I was watching, do you know there's that bit where they have to try and make the makeshift uh, bomb? Yeah. Uh, a very tense, another tense moment. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love that bit where you actually have to outrun the bomb, but it's more like it is in real life, where it's like, you can't get like five feet away from a bomb that will kill you yeah. so he has to go a long way and they do it by um sort of um jerrying up this kind of uh sandbag that sort of slowly uh they cut a bit of sand out of it and so it's rising and rising so like eventually through the hourglass so eventually it's going to drop a rock onto some um uh like a liquid like explosive so a rock's gonna hit it well this explosive is very uh, sensitive to to movement that's why they've got to drive the the trucks so slowly and delicately yeah so they're smashing this pool of liquid with a rock and yeah and they're gonna blow up um a big bit why why are they is it to get through something they need to there was that big uh tree that had fallen that's right the the big tree so they need to basically explode a tree so they can get through it and they they're carrying um, very uh, explosive bit of some sort of liquidy explosive thing. It's, it's like carrying a bowl of soup from the kitchen to the table, but sure. they've got to do it through the jungle on a truck. Yes, exactly. And if they don't do it right, they will die. Yeah. So there's lots of people driving uh, trucks through South America that if it if it, if they kind of go a bit wobbly, they're going to blow up. That's basically the film. So it's yeah. like it's that for two hours, and then they have to go over like rickety bridges and like sweat and bridges that are made of wood and rope, and it seems to be like vines. Yeah, yeah. So they've got to do that, but like to make this little um, sandbag, one of them basically un- unturns his pockets to do it, and they make it out of a pocket. Yeah, but the man's pockets are so long <laughs> that I just couldn't get over it. I was, I was like. How big are this fella's pockets? <laughs> and because they are like socks, when he sort of un- yeah. Thinking them. about it now, it is distracting. Absolutely, I don't think enough is said in about 
man, this man's pockets. How did I manage to watch that film and not notice? I, I would have thought back? you'd be uh, well up on the pockets. <laughs> I would have thought, how about, how about these pockets? Because they're long. But, but I, then is that a style? Are there countries where you have incredibly long pockets? Well, I'm a woman. All my clothes uh, just have those fake pockets. Sure. They wear sold jackets that don't have pockets at all. And do, are they like stitched up? Yes, yeah, yeah, that's some nonsense. You often get those on suits if you're a man. But you have I'm, to unstick, wearing, you have to cut cut through them. I'm wearing jeans right now where the pockets are so small that they're mm-hmm. notably small. In can fact, you put I'm, anything in them? No, you can't even put a phone in them. You can put a quarter of a phone in them. Right. It's useless. Yeah, you no, can put some work. bus money in it, I think. Yeah. But will that be um, secure? No. Or oh, no. will that just come out? Yeah, it'll just come out. Why? Why don't women have pockets? I never really understand this thing. Uh, We—it's the—it's the great injustice of our gender. You know, whenever you see a woman and she's wearing a dress, and you go, "A oh, nice dress," and she'll tell you it has pockets. That's because we've spent decades never having pockets. I don't understand. Having nowhere to put anything. Is this the thing that goes back to like women shouldn't have any money or something? Is that what it is? Like, I don't. What's the history? Of I it? don't know. I don't why know. Would you I, not haven't, have a I haven't. I haven't. I haven't actually Googled it. I've just sat there getting angry, which I think is helpful. Yeah. I like putting things in a pocket. <laughs> I like having things I in I hate there. carrying a bag around and I don't know what to do in summer because sure. all my pockets are in my jacket. How often do you go to a supermarket, think you only go for like one thing, and then you go, I don't need a bag. And then you end up with like armfuls of stuff that you're trying to like balance an orange on top of or something. Do you ever do that? No, no, because I uh, recently learned how to drive a car, so now I go and do big shops. Oh man! I yeah, drive right. to the I drive to the supermarkets that have a car park. You've changed. Since I've totally changed. Basically, people now, that work in comic shops ever, no one in comic shops ever knows how to drive. I think I was doomed to work in a comic shop because I never learned how to drive as yeah. a teenager. If Had I learned, learned how, how to drive, drive, my life would have been so different. Sure, no one in comic shops. It's like a fact. No, no cartoonists one. know how to drive either. Yeah, they're just sort of we're kind of useless people. Even my dad, who's a comic artist, my mum used to drive him everywhere. Of course, of course. <laughs> <That's> like, <laughs> just we're just pedestrians. We can't. We can't. You drive. can draw or you can drive. Uh, and you've you've learned to drive in, since in between your last appearance on fan club. You've yeah. you've become a, I've a become driver. An adult. I've become a, a motorist. motorist. I'm essentially. Uh, I, I am totally. Alan Partridge. You've just become this. this. Like, and that's it. Because now you know. About you pull a face now, but wait until I give you a lift. Well, I'll have a lift. I don't mind my, having a You're going to love it because my glove box is full of sweets. I think you can't be a motorist. You can't yeah, have a car unless you've uh, got a car full of sweets. I've got sherbet lemons. Good I've got polo sweets. mints, humbugs. Uh, I've got Fox's Glacier fruits. Well, how, are you, how are you storing your polos? <laughs> are they in a, are polos in a, just in the... In a multi-pack. I get a multi-pack of polos and I put them in the glove box. Oh, nice. Nice. What other sweets have you got? Gla- glacier, Fox's Glacier mints? Yeah, Fox's Glacier mints. Tell you, right? They're my favourite, so I keep them in the. Are foxes door. that do the glacier mints? Are they the same foxes that do party rings? <laughs> they're your Natalie, guys. Can you Google that? Because <laughs> um, <laughs> if they are, man, they're they're absolutely they're way they're ahead. They're smashing it. Absolutely smashing so it. So if you were in my car, which sweet would you take if I offered you? Well, I'd have a, I'd have a glacier mint, mm-hmm. but I'd try and. Um, I'd, hmm. It's not a glacier mint. It's the glacier fruit. Oh, well, that's different. I enjoy a, <laughs> I enjoy a glacier fruit. Uh, uh, and I, I like a glacier mint, but you've almost got to arrange... It's almost like the, uh, um, your glacier mint is like an after-dinner mint. Yes. Because if you have it first, it's going to spoil the taste of the fruits. Mm-hmm. So you can't have a mint before you're eating your fruits. Well, this is sort of like what I've discussed with uh, my dad as to the order in which you should eat an, uh, a, a club. A club biscuit? A club biscuit. Cool. Yeah. What's well, I theory? always go. Well, we always have orange and mint, 
when he's when he's visiting. I'll always fill that fill that fill the <laughs> oh, fridge. So, sorry, different ones in order. Yeah, so I think it should be orange, and then the mint is the uh, after the, dinner the mint. after dinner mint. Of course, that makes sense. Yeah, only a lunatic would do it the other way yeah, around. Yeah, one's orange is like a pudding, and the other one's like an after. It's like an after eight. Exactly. It's like civilized. You'd have that with like a cognac. Exactly. Uh, but then, what would you do with the one that's got the fruit in it? I don't. Is think that I, like your main? It's a disgusting one, so I never have it. But in you the know house. what? I'm, I'm. I mean, this is controversial. I don't like a chocolate orange. What? I don't like a chocolate orange. I'm not into it. I, I find it a weird mixture. It's like, um, like a, a. I think it. It does. I think it's a. I don't think it works. I think it's a bad mix. Your favorite chocolate is white, though, isn't it? Oh, I love a white chocolate. Have you ever told the listeners of Fan Club about Biscuit Gate? No, because well, I can tell them, but I don't know if this is uh, essentially this was a crime that happened <laughs> uh, that was perpetrated against me, and <laughs> I'm not really over it. Uh, I don't think I've had the sufficient victim support <laughs> that that you should have after uh, a you've trauma. Had, you've had hours of therapy with me in pubs. Like, oh. I don't think you've you've gone a week without mentioning. But me. you know, it's it's because. It really, it, it threw me because you realise you can't trust people. And that's what it is. You put a lot of faith in people, don't you? In human nature. And people who are often like, people that you think are friends, and then you realise that you can't actually trust them. And that someone that's like villainy operating in your vicinity. And, well, basically what happened was I bought from M&S some extra chocolatey white chocolate rounds. A great biscuit. A great biscuit. The best, possibly. A best. treat biscuit. It's, you're not going to get them all the time. Oh, of course not. Because what are they, like four quid? And they're too chocolatey. Yeah, they're too chocolatey. Extra chocolatey. They are thick, thick with chocolate. Um, and you've got a biscuit base in them, but the biscuit base is teeny. I'm picturing, like, the biscuit base must be thin, like a... Like a sort of bit of cardboard or yeah, something. Yeah, it's sort of like uh, M&S thought that you can sell chocolate cheaper if it's a biscuit. So if they technically put biscuit in, biscuit in it, yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. It's that amount it's of It's probably that, that, that thing, isn't yeah. it, when people talk about Jaffa cake. It's probably yeah. something to do with that. So there's barely, there's like a whisper of biscuit. Not, not of whisper, that's a different chocolate. But you've got like a, a biscuit with like thick, thick white chocolate. And you get it. I think you get eight altogether. You get two layers, yeah, two layers. And there's two biscuits per yeah, layer. Yeah, two biscuits per layer. And so I got this, and it's it's a lovely biscuit. It's a treat biscuit. And um, Also from the M&S, you had to go on a bit of a walk. It wasn't oh, next door yeah. to the shop. I'd it gone for a walk. I'd got that as a treat. And I, I'd, even said, I'd even said to people, because I'm not a monster, hey, guys, if you want an extra chocolatey white chocolate round, have one because I'm not a monster and I had one I had one right I had one of these biscuits Haley was the only one who admitted to having one or was it two I had two she had two um, <laughs> right uh, I left these biscuits I reckon for half an hour uh, I came back and there was one biscuit and one biscuit is worse because it's someone who they they believe that they haven't eaten all the biscuits. Yeah. That's like someone going... I've left one square on the roll. Yeah, so it isn't... Yeah, that's it. It's that. It's people that won't change toilet paper. It's... it's it's And it's that thing, well, I didn't eat all the biscuits because there's one left. I, I, I definitely didn't. And so what I did, I saw this. I was apoplectic about this. <laughs> 
I couldn't <laughs> believe it. Because I'd had one, one, a solo biscuit. You'd had more biscuit than I'd had. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure, like, I, I, I think when you offered me one, like, the packet was open. Mm-hmm. So, like, I wouldn't be going back and seeing, like, two biscuits left and going one last one. I don't remember the exact thing that happened. But Sure. I don't think it is you. But anyway... Basically, I went around everyone in the comic shop and I was demanding, including my boss, <laughs> Furious, who has eaten my biscuits? And everyone, one by one. Hayley said, two. I had two, right? Wasn't happy about that. But, <laughs> but you know what? I respect the honesty of it. And that's trust. I went, well, okay. Well, that's all right. But then you didn't have eight. No. Oh, right. And then, but then I asked everyone else, and no one else admitted to having even one. No, I even didn't touch your biscuits. I didn't touch even your biscuits. People, no. Even when I'd said, you can have one. So if you'd gone around everyone, you'd really only have to account, because you have to account for every biscuit. Yeah. One. I had one. You had two. That's three right? biscuits out three of eight. Three biscuits. One left. Mm-hmm. So that would be four. So there's four biscuits. And there's me quality. with white chocolate all around my face, looking like I've eaten all of them. <laughs> But then I asked everyone, and no one would even... It's like, I mean, just say if you've had one. No, I didn't have any. No one else admitted to having even <laughs> one one biscuit, which is one that I'd all also agreed to. So they could have said, oh, I had one, and that would be absolutely within the realm of, like... If everyone had had one, um, I think there were three other people in the shop. So do I. So you would have had two... <laughs> I know they were. Two left? <laughs> yeah. So it'd still be, and that would be nice. I reckon I, because all really, I only really want about three. Yeah. And that would be, that would be satisfying. But there was, there were, there was one left. (laughs) One. And that person, if you can call him, that creature who took that. maggot. Yeah, that absolute (laughs) maggot who was eating my biscuits. Like, it's that, it's, it's that as well. I'd have liked them more if they'd eaten them all. And then I'd come gone, to you and said, I've eaten them all. Yeah. But then what happened? Oh, and then also I think my boss said, oh, I'll just buy some more if you want some more. And I said, no, no, I want someone to admit that they've eaten them. <laughs> I don't want more because I actually, I think what had happened was, I think I had flipped. I don't, I think <laughs> it want, wasn't. You didn't want I biscuits think, anymore. You wanted an admission of guilt. That's what I wanted. I wanted justice. <laughs> that's what I wanted. And it become it become bigger than biscuits. That's what it was. Because he'd said, I don't know as well. I, partly I always wonder if that's a double bluff. Because he, he was like, well, I didn't eat them. But if you're going to make... Because also, if you're this, not sounds, get back this to work, sounds like I'm being... Like, and there's a jokey element to this. It wasn't was, jokey it, at the time. It was not funny at the time. It's the only time I found you scary. <laughs> it was terrible. I was really angry. And he was like, well, I'll just buy some more if you're going to be like that. And I was like... No, although I might have said yes, but I, <laughs> I do. But I want to know who's eating them, and that was it. I just wanted justice. That's all I wanted. And you've never had it. Never. And had how it. long ago was that? Eight years. I reckon eight years ago. Yeah. I think about it all the time. <laughs> all those people, you think you know people, don't you? And that's it. it turns that's like that's a little uh, that's a little window into the post-apocalypse. How people are going to be. Mm-hmm. That's Mad Max level of like everyone's just going to turn on each other. Also, this is a window into what people actually think about in the comic shop, mm-hmm. which is uh, you know just biscuits. It's not anything like in the Big Bang Theory. That's all nonsense. I don't know people talk about biscuits, tea, <laughs> uh, just the big things. Yeah, uh, the toilet. The who's toilet. broken it lately? Yeah, who's broken the toilet? <laughs> um, 
which customers are using it despite the fact they have their own toilet. These are the important things. People that have used the toilet without asking because they've asked once before. Because they get some sick thrill out of being so That's close right. to the, the comic shop That's people right. that they can just waltz in. They I mean, save I can... it. They save it. They, they don't even use it in, the, in their own office. They no. save it until they get to the comic shop. Sure. Although, mind you, I quite like popping into a shop that I've worked in to use a toilet. Oh, yeah, that's all I use Gosh for now. Yeah, it's good. It's, 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 a, <laughs> it's a home away from home. It's a toilet away from home. But um, it's nice to have a toilet in town you can just pop into. One of the saddest things uh, about being freelance is I no longer have a key to a toilet in the middle of town. <laughs> Although that I do sad. have a BBC pass. You do? So I have popped into Because you're, you're on like a proper broadcast, aren't you? You work on... Uh, I talk about it? telly on the radio. You talk about telly on the radio. And you had a show called Unpopped at the BBC. Mm-hmm. Well, you were like Melvin Bragg. Essentially. Like but talking time. about nonsense that doesn't matter. Sure. <laughs> sure. That's right. So you're like, how does it feel to be at FUBAR? Is uh, it intimidating? It's a little bit. Your, your desk is bigger than my desk. Bigger desk? Yeah, bigger yes. desk. I, I do yes. mine from a little cupboard. You've got a cough button, though, haven't you, on your radio? You yeah, if you go into the, uh, the smaller, older studios, and there's a little mic, and it's got a cough button. Right. Uh, well, we've got one. Have you got this one, though? Google account. Have you got that on the BBC? <laughs> no, not Sir? even allowed to drop a, a C-bomb on the BBC. No, I'm not surprised. You can on FUBAR. No one, no one minds. No one minds. Oh, we've got some news just in. Fox's, oh, okay. Fox's Glacier Mints were developed by Eric Fox. That's a cool name. One of the original founders of Fox's Confectionery. Companion products are Fox's Glacier Mints and Fox's Glacier Dark. What's Glacier Dark? I don't know. Can we do some research into Fox's Glacier Dark? <laughs> um, Fox's Biscuits is a British biscuit manufacturer founded by the Fox family in a terrace house in West Yorkshire in 1853. Terrace house is a weird detail in that. Mm. Why would... I don't... Why is that in there? The but business is known for mass market biscuits and chocolate-covered biscuit bars. Oop. Um, such as Rocky. Rocky oh, is a good biscuit. It's bar. a good biscuit. Mm. Classic. I don't know what that is. A classic biscuit. Echo. Crunch. Crunch creams. And this, I, I disagree with this. Children's <laughs> favourite party rings. Children's. They're favorite. Matt Metcalf's favourite. I had a party once, and you brought party rings. Yeah, it's that's no party bring, without party no rings. No party without party rings. <laughs> that's what I say. And cheaper than booze, so uh, always worth it. Forty-five p often. Um, a great uh, a fox's glacier dark. Oh, it's like a dark fruits. Oh, aniseed. Is, it? is that aniseed, aniseed? Is it? Hang on. Uh, bear with me a minute. Licorice. Uh, I could I could go some fox's glacier darks. No, you won't find these in my car. I've never seen them though. So they are a different company, Fox's Biscuits and Fox's. They should team up because they could take over the world. They say to each other, "We make the best ones." So. Yeah, sugar based. Um, <laughs> Sugar-based company called Foxes. Do you know what? It's disappointing that they're not the same people, though, right? It is. I assumed they were. I like the idea that they would be. Are they both from Yorkshire? Can we look that up, please? Are they both from Yorkshire? <laughs> Could they be related without knowing it? Perhaps they're two like uh, like Cain and Abel. Perhaps they hate <laughs> each other. But they're like brothers. Leicester and Yorkshire. Okay. I guess it is. Oh, blimey, it's 12.43 and we've been talking about biscuits. <laughs> um, now, um, <laughs> now, here's a thing. I think we should play a song. And normally, of course, Nick Helms here and he would play an Alice Cooper track. And it seems I'm a big fan of tradition. 
and I think it'd be remiss not to. And also, because it's basically the school holidays, it, it would seem the best uh, week in the year to play schools out, because school is out, it is appropriate. So here's some Alice Cooper. Nick Helm and Nathaniel Metcalf's fan club on FUBAR Radio. Hello, we're back, and I, I successfully navigated the uh, thing there. Have I, though? You can hear me, can't you? I can. Good, yeah. Does that matter? <laughs> good, good. So I've successfully navigated on the desk from song, jingle, mics. Thank you. <laughs> Pretty pleased with myself? Pretty pleased with myself? Um, now, we have got some fan mail in. We've got a tweet who has highlighted that I said my balls are like two eggs in a ramen soup. <laughs> I guess it's more of a broth of ramen, though, isn't it? Yeah. So maybe... Um, and it was, You could play the uh, the sexy jingle. The sexy jingle? Is it a sexy jingle? Oh, yeah, we have got a sexy jingle. We've got this one. Ramen soup. <laughs> That's pretty sexy. Like two eggs in a ramen soup. <laughs> if you get two eggs in a ramen soup, you're, you're winning because you only get one, really. Sure. I was sort of thinking of one, like, I think often they cut it in half, don't they? They do. So that's what I sort of... Two halves of a single egg. <laughs> half, a, half a tea stained egg. No thanks. <laughs> um, I like tea. I like eggs. I don't, <laughs> don't get it. I don't understand it. Um, okay, let's do some fan mail. Okay, let's see if I can get this right. <clears throat> Uh, not shotgun my cock. Let me find the right uh, cue. Okay, I think I've got it. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Theme from the deer hunter. Um, uh, let's see. Let's get it. <clears throat> Aloha, Nick and Nat. I would like to suggest a guest for you, Sean Williamson, aka Barry from EastEnders. You don't need to tell me, mate. <laughs> I I think that would that would really make me tell my friends. Hugs and kisses from North Yorkshire. Kiss kiss. Is that where Foxes is from? I forget. Might, I think it might be. Maybe he's one of the Fox family, um, or she. West Yorkshire, West Yorkshire, not the North Yorkshire. North Yorkshire, of course, uh, was West Yorkshire where foxes come from. Uh, also have the police, which were responsible for the Yorkshire Ripper and Savile. That's West Yorkshire police, isn't it? Mm. Wait, yeah. were, they, were they the ones who found him? Or the other ones? No, wasn't it West Yorkshire? I think West Yorkshire are all the ones who meant to be a bit dodgy. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, who's that from? Though. Who's that from? Do we know the name? Nameless. A nameless person wants... Could we Could we have... Is this because they have shame over watching EastEnders? Well, it says Kiss Kiss at the end, unless it's it's a double X. It's not triple X. It's not Vin Diesel, possibly, <laughs> who wants Sean Williamson on. What's... Um, I'd have Sean Williamson on. I think he seems quite nice. Nice fella. I'd love to have Sean Williamson on. I know he'd probably he'd probably pick Mustang Sally, wouldn't he? He sings that kind of stuff. And I like him. I like him. Uh, hi both. Love the show. Would love more gossip from Nick's TV appearances. What is working with Jimmy Carr like? His comedy is 10 out of 10. Just like this show. 5 out of 5. Lucas. I quite like that as a thing. 10 out of 10, just like this show, 5 out of 5. What's better, 10 out of 10 or 5 out of 5? 10 out of 10, you've got yeah. more, more stages of failure. I think, I think that's right. Uh, unless you do it in halves. Do you know what? I dislike when film magazines do a review out of 5 
mm-hmm. and they use half numbers because I always think just do out of ten then. <laughs> it annoys me. Anyway, that's by the by. Um, I've never worked with Jimmy Carr. I've never met him, but um, I was once uh, at Christmas. I was on an escalator. And uh, I heard his distinctive laugh. Like a seal. Like a seal. And thought, I bet that's Jimmy Carr. And it was. He was on an escalator with me. Merry Christmas. Um, I think he's telling that story somewhere else. Yeah, I bet he is. He saw me. Uh, Hey, guys. I imagine you two were a sweaty ball of adorable mess this week. (laughs) I don't know if that's nice. Due to the heat. What's your favourite temperate? And what do you think John Carpenter's one is? Also, if you were a carpenter called John, would you chisel? What would you chisel? What would you chisel? Thanks, Aunt Sally. Is it actually Aunt Sally, you think, from Wurzel Gummidge? Is that... Uh, I think so, yeah. Well, uh, she hasn't Una specified Stubbs. that it's not. So. Yeah, so I'll assume so, this is yeah. Una Stubbs herself. <laughs> uh, I think they mean temperature, yeah. Um, my favourite temperature is probably, I reckon, about... Um, 15 degrees C? I think mine is uh, 26. Ooh. Yeah. I, I quite like being cold. I uh, I don't know what John Carpenter's is, but I I did have a chance to ask him when I interviewed him. Oh, you did? You've met John Carpenter, I, haven't you? Uh, yeah, and um, everybody said, oh, he's difficult. He's not, gonna, he's not a fun interview. He remains one of my favourite interviewees because he spent the entire time bitching about Clint Eastwood. Yes. <laughs> but that's what I think people, when people say people are difficult, I always think, are they? I think are they that's difficult? probably more on you. Yeah, I think just because I think often people interview people who have got no interest in them and have just done no research or something. Yeah. Well, I uh, see other people coming to like roundtable interviews and you go, how are you here and not embarrassed? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so if somebody says, oh, they're difficult, I don't listen mm. to them. Why didn't you like Clint, says Natalie? Why didn't he like Clint? Why didn't John Carpenter like Clint? Uh, Clint Eastwood had just said something bad and stupid politically. I can't remember what it was. Oh, it could see. have been any number of things. He was said, it the one where he, he pretended a chair was Barack Obama? Do you remember that one? <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> I think he, I think, he spoke to a chair. I think Eastwood had just done an interview in GQ magazine or something. I don't I don't remember. But, um, That's strange because he must have liked Eastwood. He must be a big Eastwood fan. I'm a big Eastwood fan, sure. not of the person. But I th- when what do you think is uh, peak Eastwood? I think it's um, Escape from Alcatraz. That's because he wears like a white T-shirt, isn't it? And that's because you fancy him in that era. I fancy Play Misty I... for me, that era, yeah. kind of 70s. Yeah. Well, I think I... all those films he made in that era are all pretty tipped off. When he, like, between 40 and 50, I think, is peak Eastwood. How old He's is he really now? Fit. So what are we talking about, years? What are your prime years? Uh, I think sort of uh, mid-70s, early 80s, maybe. Okay, okay. When was Alcatraz? Was that 70? I don't Seven know. Escape from Alcatraz. Can we get a year on Escape from Alcatraz? She's on the phone. She's on the phone. <laughs> um, <laughs> Abandoned her post. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, okay. Well, we'll come back to that. Um, hi, lads. Four po- oh, hang on. No, we've got st- we've lost the music, haven't we? Of course we have. Hang on, I'll do that. We'll do the other one. We've done We've done Cavatina. We've also, do, we've also got this one. Hi, lads. 4.9 <laughs> out of 5 for the podcast. 2.5 for effort. Oh, I see. I can't believe you can sit and talk for a living. I mean, if you think this is a living, you you think I'd be I'd be having a very frugal life. Also, I saw you write a bit write something on a bit of paper. That is that is more than 2.5 for effort. Oh, yeah. I'm very jealous, can you tell? Debs. Well, that's it. I mean, I don't think you would be jealous, Debs, if you actually 
uh, Sora, it's very much not a living we're we're getting. Uh, I'd love a living. I'd love to do this. I mean, talk about biscuits, but I don't think this is an this is a job. I don't think you can. Do, uh, you know, I'm having a nice time, but uh, it's not a living, Debs. <laughs> Hi, boys. Oh. What is your hottest day of the year tips for a guy in his early 30s trying to avoid his screaming kid? The only good thing about kids, if the ice cream, Donny, <laughs> I think he means is, is the ice cream. Um, well, that's a nice thing about, yeah, that's a nice thing to do on the hottest day of the year. I, I think not leaving the house yeah, is the best thing to do. Everybody is panicking and going out and trying to find somewhere cooler. If you just sit very still sit in, your house. in the shade, you will be cool. Sure. Um, ice cream's a good idea, though. What's your favourite ice cream? Ooh, that's tough. I sometimes go by colour. If if there's a blue thing, I'll go, I'll have one that's blue, thanks. Blue flavour. Blue flavour. Have you used your slush puppy yet that you've Do got? you know what? It's difficult, so I'm trying... It's, to avoid it, I have to put... I've got a slush I've got a slush puppy machine, guys. And I've got to... Um, <laughs> you've got to put the, the inside of it into a freezer first. Oh, so it but, includes forethought. Yeah, so, so, and it's that. I need to, like, go, oh, I need to, like, it's like you've got a... This it's is like the equivalent a of batteries not included. You can't eat a banana when you want a banana. If you buy one from <laughs> a supermarket, you can get a green one, but you've got to sort of imagine when you want to eat one. Right. You can't have just a banana you have now. How small is your freezer that you can't just stick the thing in there constantly? Oh, I suppose I could. No, I think it's... I, my, my freezer's like trays, though. You sort of pull out little trays. So I think, you know, it does It does kind of make sense that I'm trying to think if I can get it to... I might have to remove a tray just to get the thing in. You don't need to know about the mechanics of my freezer. <laughs> um, this is... I mean, this isn't radio. It, it technically <laughs> is. Um, uh, hello. Ooh. Hello. I've been wondering what size feet you have and did they get sweaty this week? Is this a, is this a pervert? <laughs> <laughs> what is your opinion on flip-flops? I believe in Australia they call them thongs. They do call them thongs. Nice one, Doug. Thanks for coming in and clearing that up. Uh, <laughs> uh, what size feet do I have? I, I have size nine feet. Really? Yeah. I but have I, a size eight. I think, but I think technically if I could have uh, an eight and a half, I think they would fit, but often you can't. I think nine. I'm about a nine. You said earlier that you'd be pouring water out of your your shoes. Yeah, that's that's what it's been like. That I I think what well, you don't need to yeah, like yesterday I had shoes and socks because I was avoiding because I can't I can't not wear socks in my shoes. I, that you'd feels be, weird as you'd well. You'd be sweatier if you didn't. Also, oh, yeah? also, what is your opinion on on flip flops? I think they should be outlawed. I don't like seeing people's feet. You should have shame. They're disgusting. Um, I think if I was wearing a short, which I never do, a short. Yeah, is that right? Singular. A do you work in shots. fashion now? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, probably. If you saw me. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I think I think I would have like. A, I think if I wore shorts, I would have I, I would have as much problem with flip flops as I'd have with shorts. I think if I was going all out, I probably would go. Uh, I think you would look like the most awkward man in the room. Not because they look terrible on you, but you would be trying I'd to feel, you it. Would I'd feel, feel it. it. You would feel it. I'd it would feel come it out in, in my your soul. face. Yeah. Um, uh, saw your podcast on iTunes. Gave it a go. Sounds all right. We'll need to hear a few more episodes before I can rate it. 
So far, you're on a solid three out of five. The Alice Cooper is bringing you down. Oh, I think this is just the wrong person. This is not the podcast for you. Alice Cooper is... Uh... I mean, it's, that's a main... Th- if you don't like that, there's going to be a lot more of that. But, <laughs> then equally, are you starting now? Because if you've, if you've just started listening from the start, you're going to have to listen to an awful lot of episodes before you get your thing read out. And then would it still be a three? I reckon by the time you get to this one, it'll be a one, if you even make it this far. Lots of people not leaving their names. And that <laughs> is the reviews. Now, I mean, crikey, look at this. We're, we've nearly done a, a whole hour of top quality chat. We've basically played one song on behalf of Nick Helm, who isn't here, hasn't bothered showing up. In memory of Nick Helm. In memory of R.I.P. Um... And uh, it's our guest here as well. Oh, wow. So you should probably get them out. Um, I think it is only right and fair for me to play your track. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is... Uh, uh, why have you picked this track? I've picked this. Uh, it's the Ramones' Pet Cemetery, And I've I picked it because Pet Cemetery is my favourite Stephen King book. And also... I learned that Charles Adams, oh, the, yeah, the, uh, the great cartoonist and Adams Family creator, um, he was not only married in a pet cemetery, but after he was cremated, he had his ashes scattered in a pet cemetery. Well, that's good. For what the, a guy. Yeah, I like him. I, I, I don't know. Have you ever seen a picture of Charles Adams? Uh, yeah, he looks kind of normal. Yeah. yeah. But I always think that about um, Gomez in the Adams Family. Mm. I never think he looks particularly weird or creepy. No. You Is he dress- meant to look like a sort of Vincent Price? Is that the idea? Yeah. 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 I, I always think Vincent Price just looks quite kind of cool. Uh, Gomez, sorry. Looks just kind of cool. and Yeah, they're all cool guys. I think cool this is guys. why we're wrong, that right. We're not made for this world. We think I don't Gomez think they look like Vincent weird Price people. Cool. They seem all right. No. Okay. I think they're great guys. Right, okay. Okay, well, here we go. Well, I, I quite like that I asked you why you picked this song. Because this is like um, Desert Island Discs. Exactly. There's Here's reasons there's... behind everything. Okay, let's go for this. <clears throat> Oop. Uh oh. Yeah, this is it. Talking after the lyric Under the alcohol with the steamboats Into gobblers and what I will Nick and Nat's fan club on FUBAR Radio Hello and welcome back to Nick and Nat's fan club And we are joined in the second hour by our special guest Ms. Ginger Johnson Hello, that's me, yes, hello, hi Hello, <laughs> and you're about... <laughs> to go up to the Edinburgh Festival? Yes, in about 19 hours. 19 hours? <laughs> Not that I'm counting, but it's, uh, yeah, it's very, very soon, yes. Why, why are you starting so early? Well, I've got, I've got a tech rehearsal on Sunday morning, and oh, no. also I've got to get the puppets settled in the flat, you know, and, and naturalised oh, yeah. sure to the area. All right. Yeah, or they won't perform, you know. Now, I, I often go up to the uh, Edinburgh Festival in the role of being a stand-up comedian. How do you feel about the Edinburgh Festival? I'm very excited. I'm very excited. I've been lots of times to see lots of things, uh, and I've done a couple of spots there before, you know, in other oh, shows. Oh, you've never done the whole run before? No, I've never done the whole run before. So uh, I'm very excited. I started on me Barocas last week. And, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. Nat used to come back from Edinburgh looking like he was a reanimated corpse. Do you know oh, like, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm heading there looking like one, so God knows what I'm going to be when I get back. <laughs> I uh, no, it's, it's sort of a it's sort of a great place, and oh, I, I mean, I don't want to put you off. <laughs> I now find you know like when you get out of Edinburgh Waverley Station now, and I smell that weird Weetabix air that they've yes, got there. Yes. Uh, they've got these like breweries there that have this sort of you get this smell. Mm. But I often find that that smell often just gives me some sort of Vietnam flashback. <laughs> I have like a horror. Oh my god! Oh god! Uh, 
I once got on a train at King's Cross and uh, it was the Edinburgh train, but I was changing and I forgot. And it just, I was on a train like in the, some other time of year and it said, This is the train to Edinburgh Wave. And I had a panic. Like it was like I just, I, it was like waking up in a nightmare. <laughs> I'm just hoping that uh, there's plenty of alcohol on the cafe bar trolley. Oh. <laughs> I imagine it'll be fine. It will be. And, and also, I've got to learn me words. That's what I really should be doing on the train. <laughs> I should be concentrating on doing when's, that. When's your, first, when's your first night? Uh, Wednesday. Wednesday coming. I think it's the 30th or the 31st. I don't know. I haven't Okay. <laughs> Okay, so you've got to be there. And what, what area are you staying in in Edinburgh? I'm staying... Well, I, w- I would hate it if any of my uh, vicious admirers might come and turn <laughs> up near my house. But uh, I'm, uh, I'm near the meadows. Oh, yeah, it's nice. Very yeah. nice. Right, Very nice. okay, if you say so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, 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 where, are you, where are you performing in Edinburgh? I'm performing at the Pleasance, in the Pleasance Dome. Okay. Uh, and we were actually right next door to Pleasance Islington, aren't we? And that's how I ended up doing that, because I did a big Christmas show there. You did this uh, as this Krampus show, Yeah, right? that's right. Right, that's I was just right. trying to read up on this. And what, So are you interested in the Krampus and yes, kind absolutely. of Krampus, horror? Yes, absolutely. I am a big fan of Krampus. I think Krampus is a very misunderstood character. Sure. Uh, and uh, I tried to give him a, a little bit of a new life in the show at Christmas but uh, and in the process of that the Pleasants managed to talk me into coming to Edinburgh so <laughs> here I am that's what it's going to be but I think I think you're going to have a great time in Edinburgh oh definitely definitely I'm absolutely I, I'm so so excited the kind of the, the terror to excitement scale flips every few hours or so you know oh when, sure I think that's natural yeah, yeah I think that's natural yeah. you shouldn't be I don't want to put I, I feel like I'm just saying Terror. I mean, what I'm talking about is my experience of Edinburgh. <laughs> whereas I think what you've probably got is a is a good show, <laughs> which is probably the, which is probably the, the, the going up there with it with a show that is maybe not not the best. Which is probably why Nick Helm is rehearsing now rather than <laughs> rather than turning up for this. Um, it's because he needs to have a good show so that you don't panic and be right. sick through your through your teeth or something <laughs> on the way up. Um, but um, so you're part of Sink the Pink Collective. Yes, that's and right. And I don't know. Yeah. A lot about them, but they're, they're, I, I'm aware of them just from being about town. Yes, and sort We're of everywhere. seeing them on the <laughs> names of everywhere. festival posters and things. Yeah, that's so right. do, do you want to tell us a bit about Sink the Pink? So Sink the Pink are a, a, a queer clubbing collective that was set up. At, it's 11 years this year by uh, Glymphemus and Amy Zing, and I joined them about five years ago. And uh, it's it's. It's a big queer dress-up party where everyone is invited and everyone can express themselves in any way that they want to be. And we do huge stage shows with like twenty-five drag queens at a time on stage dancing. You know, it's 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 a it's quite a, quite a trip. How does it know? work as a collective? Is, are the, is the work you do part of that collective? Do you see yourself always as part of that, like a production of? Or I think well, people move in and out of it. You know, uh, most of us are doing something else at the same time. Uh, I kind of host and MC most of the gigs. And and then I, uh, I write and direct and star in the Christmas show every year, which is cush, really, isn't it? <laughs> so now, <laughs> even that's a collective, does it feel like there's a, a sort of hierarchy? Um, I mean, there's no, not really. I think the hierarchy is a hierarchy of fabulousness. You know, right. it's not a, the, that that is the politics. There's, there's nothing else going on there. You know, if if you're really amazing, then you're you're, you're there. You're you're in it. You know, right. and that can change week to week. Sometimes you have a bad week. Sometimes your wig falls off. You know, <laughs> <laughs> twenty five drag queens on stage. What are the dressing rooms like? 
uh, going back to Vietnam, I imagine. <laughs> I mean, it depends. Our kind of spiritual home at the moment is at the Troxy. We do a lot of our big oh, events yeah, yeah. at the Troxy. And that's really amazing. The kind of detritus that you'll find in, the, in those. <laughs> it's a, also a very, very specific smell that, that mm. follows around 25 drag queens. It's somewhere in between like vodka, poppers, and <laughs> Greg's. You know, like it's, it, you're, in, you're in that region. Lovely, homely smell. Uh, but uh, no, it takes a strong stage to have 25 stomping drag yeah. queens on it as well. I you think, know. you know, it's one of the best things about drag queens, I think, in that culture, is that idea that I think there's something within stand-up where everyone likes the idea of it being a bit like, yeah, we're, it's not showbiz, we're doing something else. Oh, and I really hate that. I hate that idea. Because <laughs> it's like, it is showbiz. But what I also like about showbiz is things where it just isn't. And I think the dressing room is yes. a great example of what people think of as being quite a showbiz thing. Yes. Whereas I've never seen a dressing room which is remotely even nice. <laughs> or no, especially with a drag queen, if you think that you would think that because a drag queen is so glamorous, the dressing room might be glamorous. Yeah. But the fact is that we start off as like, tired 30 year old homosexual man you know <laughs> so it, it takes a lot of glue and uh, elastic and effort to kind of come out the other side of that and the, the you know <laughs> things fall by the wayside the number of chairs I've brought been trying to pull on a pair of spacks uh, <laughs> and that, that, also it's, like, it's going to probably be a hot room with everybody in it so oh my how God, are you supposed worst. to put all the makeup on your face is it just sliding down onto your shoulders you, you, just gradually lower and lower eventually your eyebrows are on your knees you know <laughs> that's just how it goes you've got to, got to find yourself a secluded corner uh, <laughs> to try and get, get, get a fan to, uh, to sort you out but no it's it's not easy it's, it's not easy but then I say it's not easy I mean my job is putting on clown paint jumping around like a lunatic so um, there's a lot yeah. of harder jobs out there <laughs> you know I'm fully like aware this of one that right now? yeah this is a hard job what I'm doing right now yeah um, <laughs> but that's why we think about dressing rooms because often I, you see in dressing rooms you have things like I mean th so you'll see some of the worst things you'll ever see in your life in a dressing room won't you backstage and I always think like there's that idea of sort of glamour and people imagine mirrors with light bulbs all, all around them. But I you might wish. Find, <laughs> I wish. You're much more likely. You wish you had one light bulb. <laughs> yeah. You're much more likely to find like a, a, a Volvic bottle with piss in where someone, yes. where someone hasn't been able, because it's like, there's no toilets in there or whatever, yes. and they can't go to the toilets. They can't, the, the public toilets, you have to go through the crowd to get them. So you just find things like, well, there's a bottle of piss. And, there's a, <laughs> and a fridge normally uh, that yeah, doesn't yeah. work. Yes, you yeah, know, yeah. That's where the bottle of piss is. You know. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Anna man's instagrams where she turns around she says i'm in my glamorous dressing room and it's always just the disabled toilet that they've stuck <laughs> in the number of disabled toilets i have stood in and shoved me on bollocks back inside my body i cannot <laughs> begin to tell you i could write a book about that <laughs> please do <laughs> but that's like, so sing the pink do you feel like you've been kind of at the forefront of what is like what feels like a real kind of renaissance in the kind of drag culture and things i think we've been trying to be i think we've been trying to bring a, a, a fun element to it and uh something that doesn't take itself too seriously you know uh, because uh, uh, although as absurd as drag might be from the outside some people do take themselves very seriously I mean I'm definitely guilty of that sometimes I think if you take yourself to the Edinburgh Festival you've probably got some kind of serious <laughs> idea about yourself uh, whether that turns out to be a good one or not we'll find out uh, but uh, yeah we're, 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 we've been everywhere for a little while now you know we're, uh, and some of the girls are currently on tour with Mel C around the world Wow, uh, which is really amazing you know going out to they did Pride in Brazil uh, there was something like 4 million people at Pride 
absolutely amazing, you know. And it's great, to, especially when we do touring within the UK and we go out to places that are outside of London. You know, I moved to London because when I in Newcastle, where I come from, um, the there wasn't the drag culture that I really wanted to have. There has been since. Some people yeah. have put some really amazing hard work in up in Newcastle and, and have really built the scene there. But you know, you go to places. Um, we did a Freshers tour a few years ago, and uh, some of these people have never seen a drag queen in their life, you know, and that's really exciting, you know, to, to be where, that drag queen that they see, you know, it's, it's great. Where's that kind of renaissance come from? Because you sort of think in the sort of, especially in the UK, you would have that thing, I guess, up to what I think of like the sort of 70s, and you'd have... Um, you'd have what what would be then like female impersonators would be yeah. the kind of but it's not really it's not the same thing but well, there's a sort of but I quite like that when it sort of has that funny mixture like a sort of uh, Paul O'Grady Lily Savage thing yes. which sort of and I think that's where it works best yeah. I think that kind well there of, was a moment in the 90s wasn't there when uh, Lily Savage was kicking around and Dame Edna was around and you know Mrs. Merton really is yeah. a drag queen character I yeah. would say you know um, and yeah there is a bit of a renaissance at the moment I think that's partly to do with RuPaul's Drag Race, the yes. programme that's had such huge success. Uh, and that's brought people back. That's g- definitely opened up job opportunities for yeah. drag queens. I've, be, I've done jobs in the last few years that you would never have dreamed a drag queen would do. I did a funeral two weeks ago. <laughs> and I don't mean a wake. I mean the funeral. What, in, standing at the head of the grave? In the crematorium. Oh. Yeah, no, the whole business, the whole business. Uh, did you but, get to press the button where the coffin goes down? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they, they, they didn't have that as part of the ceremony <laughs> but uh, I, I asked if, I, if they could open the curtains and I would come through but it, it wasn't enough, <laughs> wasn't enough like climb through from the oven you know they, they weren't really into it um, but no it was, it was actually a really wonderful amazing experience and the, the, the family that had asked me to do it had uh, were, were it, it was amazing really touching you why know, did to they be choose a drag queen? They chose a drag queen because it was the 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 lady's mum who died. Um, she had always been a big supporter of uh, the queer community. You know, she was a real ally, and she'd run um, pubs and clubs in North London and nightclubs, and I think had been part of that scene. She was also super glamorous and by their admission an absolute nightmare <laughs> you know? she sounds amazing yeah. so some of the fa- some of the stuff about her life was just like really really brilliant so they decided that for the funeral what they wanted was somebody they want they wanted the funeral to have that element to it so they actually didn't tell a lot of the family that uh, <laughs> that I was going to be there leading the ceremony uh, but it was really it was there was something really amazing about it and it really brought brought to me the kind of there is a real power in drag sometimes because mm. as people came around the corner in their big black cars as they got out they kind of couldn't help but laugh when they saw me and I, I, I no one was in black but I was in like head to toe gold fringe big giant <laughs> crown on my head you know like I really went for it they asked me to really go for it and um, it was great to kind of puncture puncture the kind of somberness of the whole thing and you know yeah. it, it, it was really a really really amazing experience I'm not sure I'll do it again if I'm really honest because it was um I've never been so nervous, actually. I've never been so nervous. Well, you only get one go. Well, exactly, exactly. But I prefer a funeral over a wedding. I think uh, oh, uh, oh, I don't know lesbian wedding is the best Les- <laughs> lesbian wedding is the absolute ideal booking right it is the best thing honestly I'd take that booking over any other th- in fact I would set up a company organising lesbian weddings if I could <laughs> if I wasn't such an attention seeker and, and I was able to kind of do a job like that that's what I'd be doing oh my god they're the best one always the best dancing the best music it's amazing mm-hmm. well I think that's it because I think I'm not I'm not. I mean, I think one of my big problems in life is I am probably one of the least fun people you could ever meet. 
in terms of like, I don't do, I can't do dancing. I like, you I must like do people a bit having of dancing. You must do I a little can't. bit. In a party situation, you're always the guy who's uh, figured out what, what time the buffet is starting. Oh yeah, no, yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm up for that. I'm up for hovering around some cellophane, waiting for like, uh, or, or like even, or try and befriend a sort of waiter and go. What time is this kicking off, eh? <laughs> <laughs> and Sometimes. you know which door the nibbles are coming out sure, of. Sure, sure, and I know, right. yeah. So I've got my eye on things. I'm having, I'm having my own fun, right. but I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm good in that. I think I kind of, I like it in others. I really like. I'm not, I'm not someone who's miserable or hates the idea of people having well, fun. Well, that's the painting you pick. Yeah, the picture you're painting at the I know. moment. No, I'm not gonna lie. I know, <laughs> but like I do, I like the idea of it. I'm much more like, um, yeah, I'm much more that. I wanna. I want a triangle sandwich. That's what right. I want. That party. That's, okay. that's my kind of fun. Did, uh, did you stick around for the nibbles after the funeral? No, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> uh, they, they moved. They went on to a golf club somewhere, and I'm not going to a golf club. Absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> it's against every fibre of my body is to walk into a golf club. Absolutely I think not. you'd be uh, misdressed for a, a golf club as well. <laughs> well, maybe for the grass. I'm not yeah. sure. I'm not I, sure. I think it's extraordinary. I, the, the sort of influence of the kind of drag culture on mm. on actual regular things in the world that you kind of only spot. I, I really think it's astounding now when you see, like, you look at like sort of lots of women in their twenties, even things like makeup mm. and and fashion. Yeah. All the it's like influence stuff that the drag queens have done for yeah. years, like young girls are doing on yeah. these sort of round. Yeah, Child faces. It is insane. They look they look like baked beans with faces drawn on. It's, it's, <laughs> but they're all drawing the same face yes, on. Yes, they just draw a brown circle around everything and shade it out. You know, it's it's not it's so strange. I, I often get people come up to you and they want to say something nice, so they'll say, uh, like a woman will say, Oh my god, your makeup is beautiful. I wish I looked like that. And I'm like, No, you do not. <laughs> like I am Zippo the Clown in high shoes. <laughs> like it's very nice of you to say so. But there are you know, there are people that go out wearing that much makeup and all power to them I mean if that's what they want to do go for it Invent, reinvent yourself every day if you yeah, like yeah. you know that's that's really why the power of drag is so pervasive it's because when when you get into drag you realise that the whole jig is up you know every, the, the, any idea of any kind of uh like reality just starts to crumble in front of you you know it's, and it's about accepting that and I think that's why some people um don't have a good reaction towards it and it's because they cling to the idea that we can that that we're not all the same mess as each other you know right. they mm. cling to the idea that they're somehow better or have somehow created themselves uh, in a vision of something that is real and true and part of themselves no go away we're all <laughs> we're all the same walking crisis you know and if i feel better in a huge curled updo wig and heels then that's how i'm going to go and live my life you know that's it <laughs> So how did you become involved with Sync the Pink then? What was your... Uh, I and They have a competition uh, every year called Miss Sync the Pink. And uh, it's like a big pageant competition. Uh, and it's one of the highlights of the year for me because the things these girls and guys and others will do to get into this thing is insane. It's all, always amazing. And I entered that and um, I lost. <laughs> <laughs> and then a few weeks later they called me into the office and said uh, well, you know, would you like to start to do it? Because Glyn, who, um, one of the founders, um, he used to host all the time and uh, he started to want to do other things so I kind of started to take over from him gradually and now I've been there 
nearly six years now. I think. So I really like the idea of something that feels so sort of big and glamorous. But like you say, there's an office. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> so yeah. it's a sort of it's sort of the two worlds colliding. It feels like it's yeah. like you think there's a there's like an office that's full of drag queens that are doing admin about <laughs> <laughs> to do in with putting nails. on. Yeah. <laughs> that, well, that's that's what I like to imagine is happening. But it's uh, no, it's, we've uh, got a team of people doing yeah. the admin for us. Okay, <laughs> we're busy out there doing the gigs. <laughs> My favourite thing, I was at Latitude last weekend and um, a a drag queen at a festival just should not be a possibility. It just shouldn't exist, you know, because you're you're in a field, you don't have all of the necessary things that you need. You need piles and piles of luggage. I won't go to a festival. (laughs) (laughs) But that that magic trick of like manifesting in a field in full drag is one of my favourite experiences in the world. So uh, come out of a tent. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, I do. Although Latitude's a bit fancy. They've got their uh, porter cabins and things there, which was, I, I don't know, I felt like a bit of a fraud at Latitude this year. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's a lovely festival. Please, I'd like to come back next year. But, but uh, it's very nice and very, yeah. like very nice, you know. But um, yeah, there, there is something magical about being able to just come out the ground. I think you know? you're right. <laughs> like, I, think another, I think it's another show busy thing, isn't it? So mm. I think one of the things that festivals work is that you have this idea of you shouldn't. Like, you don't want to see someone come out uh, and be, I'm one of you. I, know, I don't want... <laughs> you don't have that thing like someone coming out wearing wellies. You go, come on, mate, put, put some effort in. If I saw a drag queen coming out of the portaloos, I'd think, yes. That's, <laughs> that's what I would want to see. But you don't want to have the, you don't have the festival on stage. I think you want to have uh, be transported from something and see something on yes. stage, which is like different so I think glamour works really well at a festival because mm. everyone looks awful yes. <laughs> everyone's like covered in shit yeah. and like uh, looking uh, miserable so year- actually it works really well I think a few years ago at Glastonbury I was in a group of 25 drag queens all dressed as Dolly Parton watching Dolly Parton <laughs> on the pyramid stage and that was a transcendental experience did she notice you? Uh, no because unfortunately there's like 200 metres of gold circle ticket holders isn't there yeah. so we, we were all like Dolly <laughs> but, but, uh, uh, no unfortunately yeah. not I'd, I'd love to know what would go through her mind though you, <laughs> you bunch of bitches that's <laughs> <what> <laughs> I always used to get stroppy when I was a teenager when the drag queens had uh, better legs than me in their like, short skirts. So if I was Dolly, I'd be looking at them going, unbelievable. This is I mean, so Dolly Parton is a drag queen. Like, for all, like that's a wig <laughs> for a start. Yeah, it's a creation, <laughs> isn't it? It's a creation. Yeah, and she's of... covered in crystals and she plays a tiny saxophone. Like, it, I, I don't know. I can't think of Isn't anyone more of a Isn't the famous quote, like, it takes a lot of money to look this cheap? Yes, yes. <laughs> Jane McDonald, she's a drag queen as well. You know, the, the, the drag queens walk among us. <laughs> <laughs> when did you decide to use puppets? Were they always from the beginning? I have. I've always been a, a big fan of puppets. I think because the the. Um, I don't know, they're, they're capable of anything, first of all. I mean, puppets are just drag queens with fewer bones, you know, like it's. <laughs> and thumbs. <laughs> and thumbs in this case, <laughs> yes. Uh, but it's, it's just. I, I, I was a Punch and Judy man when I was about 12 years old. Wow. Uh, I used to do Punch and Judy shows. I used to do kids' birthday parties, and I was often at the same age or younger than the kids at the parties. Um, so that's kind of where the interest in it started. And then um, I decided I haven't used them much in my shows in the last few years. And then I decided with this new show, happy place um that i would bring them back because it's inspired by 
um, I'm a big Sesame Street fan uh, and the Muppets, obviously. Mm. Uh, and it's inspired by an, an, a series of episodes that Sesame Street made uh, when Hurricane Katrina happened. And it was a, a, an ongoing storyline about a, a wind that had blown through Sesame Street and Big Bird's nest had been blown away. And during the episodes, uh, Big Bird would kind of deal with the different aspects of that, of like losing some of his stuff and rebuilding his house and all the characters would kind of rally around him and that kind of thing. And each of those episodes started with a scene with one of the human characters and one of the puppets reaching out through the fourth wall of the television to say to parents, you know, these episodes have been created specifically to help you and your child deal with stuff around um, the hurricane. So, uh, and there were like other materials and things available to it. Now, at that time, um, I was going through quite a serious mental health crisis in my own life. And I was watching this thing, and as, as much as it really gave, gave me a lot of heart to see that and see Big Bird rebuild his life, what I really wanted to do was create a show that did that for people in their you know late 20s having existential crisis being scared about the world especially queer people because the world gets more and more terrifying every day for queer people at the moment so i really wanted to make that show and i thought the way to do it was to make these puppets and and really try and manifest that so that's what the show is and uh, it's full of original songs as well uh, so one of the titles is don't be afraid of monsters there are much worse ways to die uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah that's why that's why i started to use them. So I've, I've made all the puppets myself and uh, it was while I was actually on tour um, and we were on tour with Sink the Pink and we were kind of touring over the weekends and we were back in London during the week and uh, I'm quite an anxious person and I get stressed if I'm around a lot of people like on a bus a lot of times so that was quite stressful for me in those situations. So what I would do is when we were in whatever town we were in I would go to the market during the day and get some fur whatever they had whatever was fancy or whatever I liked the look of uh, and then take that back and during the week as like my down like chill out time I would make a puppet each week uh, and not, not particularly like design them but just kind of let them kind of form in front of me and it was I mean it, I don't know it, it was a really really special experience actually and I think definitely in the future when my feet eventually completely pack in uh, that's going to be my job 100% that's going to be my job wow. but uh, no that's how I've ended up with them so I've got quite a brace of them now uh, and I'm going to continue to make them while I'm in Edinburgh as well I'm now making one a month oh, wow. uh, because I want to get to the stage where I can do like production numbers with 25 or 30 puppets in like on the Muppets or Sesame Street you know, well there's so. so much in that to unpack yeah. I thought it was mm. fascinating so you've got I really well I love sort of Sesame Street and I love yeah. that kind of who's your favourite puppet in Sesame mm -hmm. Street I do like a big bird. I like I like the ones in Sesame Street who are kind of depressed or grump because that's the thing yeah. my characters in Sesame Street are always like they're all flawed in a yes. way that's like that you don't often get so yes. puppets are often like sort of super positive or something whereas in Sesame Street every character is kind of flawed in a way mm. but that's what makes them that's your kind of entry point to yeah them. I always love the count it was oh, my yes. all-time favourite one. Yeah, yeah. there's a letter of the day section in Happy Place, uh, and the letter of the day is A for arson. <laughs> <laughs> but one, loads of things there. So you were talking about being a uh, Punch and Judy man. Yes. I love the idea of Punch and Judy. <laughs> yeah, I'm Punch and Judy is one of the creepiest, weird English yes, things. Welcome I love to my it. life. Yeah. <laughs> but also, it's interesting that you're a performer mm. 
but you're unseen and yes. you're doing everything, but you're also anonymous. Mm. I find that interesting. Well, I wasn't anom- anonymous. I was Professor Fizzo, uh, who was my, <laughs> my clown character that I was doing at the time. But uh, I th- it was definitely a way of... Um, interesting that you say about anonymous. I, I think certainly because I was young and shouldn't shouldn't really not that I shouldn't have been doing it but like it's it's strange to have a child working doing a puppet show as, yeah. as mm. like something that they've decided they're going to do why did you did you see a, a creepy Punch and Judy man on Brighton Beach or something <laughs> well I start I've always loved magic so I started off doing magic tricks and things like that and then I learned some balloon modelling and then I, that's when I started doing the parties and uh uh, and then I did, I did this big Christmas party once. I, this is thanks for this because you brought this. But I've not thought about this for years now. I did this big Christmas party, and there was a clown at the party as well as me. And he did a Punch and Judy show at the end. And um, I don't know the kind of capitalist deep down inside me somewhere <laughs> was like, if I learn to do Punch and Judy, I could charge some more money and cut this guy out. <laughs> Not him directly, but like it was like another thing that I could add on to my thing. So, uh, but getting into it, I mean, the the history of it is absolutely amazing. I eventually did it as a job in a theme park for a little while, and uh, yeah, that's kind of where it all started. But it means you can put on a show that has ten characters on your own. You know, that's yeah. really thrilling, and they all do what they're told. Uh, <laughs> and there's de- and I didn't really have a lot of friends when I was a kid because I was quite a strange child. So, not to say that the puppets were my friends, <laughs> more that they, they, they just gave me access to more people to mount my spectacular productions and, and also you got to hide in a little box and yes like exactly. Body. exactly so this is like so happy place in new show is like a weird mixture of things you were doing when you were a teenager then it's sort of like a throwback as well as being yeah well I, i've started to try and bring more stuff like that into my into my shows you know i've been doing drag 10 years now and um i it's, it takes a long time, I think, because I'm, I'm, I'm not like a lip syncer because I'm absolutely not a dancer. So uh, you, there's no value in me lip syncing a song. I'm just flapping my mouth around someone else's song. You know, there's no value there. So um, You're my, not a puppet. No, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so um, I, because it's more of a character thing that I'm doing, you know, it's more about actually trying to make a connection with people. It's taken a while for me to really feel secure enough in that to start to bring this other stuff in, you okay. know. So, and Happy Place is definitely the leap towards that definitely. and that's how that started as well I find that quite mm. interesting that you've kind of so as a kid you were kind of a performer from what age from very young uh, well I think I've always just been a massive attention seeker so you even know? when you're doing Punch and Judy when it does feel slightly more anonymous you oh, were, no, that, that you were was getting a, involved in yes that. absolutely absolutely it's uh, I don't know you're either born a show off or you're not I think you know and I think at least uh, I don't know I, I, I probably had a lot of that show off energy and I projected it into something that I could actually get applause for at the end you know <laughs> I think that's what it was and you're talking about sort of that mixed with this sort of anxiety as well before mm. so that that's an interesting kind of that feels like two separate things right mm. performing and also being anxious and things well I, I, the anxiety kind of came a bit later on in, in my life really and uh, it, it's Part of the reason that I wanted to make a show about that is because where at this time that I was talking about when I was go- going through this period and it was at the time of Hurricane Katrina, um, the the a lot of conversations around mental health are very uh, clean and well put together, and I did not identify with that, you know, um, because. my life was a mess I felt like a mess I still feel like a mess I'm a mess that's kind of all tied up in the same bag now which is good but you know and 
I, I couldn't identify with a lot of the conversations about it. So I wanted to make a show specifically um, with queer themes in it because they're the people that I talk to. <laughs> you know, that, that's that's that, I, that, that's a big part of my audience. Um, to to talk about how messy it is and be okay with that and laugh at it. You know, it can't all be serious about it all the time because it's not. It's not that serious, sure. you know. Yeah, I think that's not so, that's not something I think is unusual. You th- I mean, certainly in the kind of stand-up world, mm. you sort of almost expect people to be bags of nerves and yeah. and even unacknowledged lots of lots of unacknowledged people with problems. Where you think, <laughs> I mean, just have a look at, have a think yeah. about it for a minute. But you, but you do have that. Um, lots of people that 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 I guess would be seen as being performers and quite. Um, so I guess they're perceived as being, yeah, like show-offs or big personalities mm. who are ultimately very kind of shy people often. Yes. And, uh, and that's the thing that it, it doesn't come as a surprise to me at all, but, that, but I think it's even more pronounced in sort of a drag world where everything's mm. so kind of turned up and heightened that you think yeah. that, but of course, of course that performance isn't necessarily yeah. going to be like that in real life or if mm. you met them afterwards or... Mm. like it, Just because you can, like... Just because you can go out in front of a few thousand people and be uh, a clown doesn't mean you don't like to lie under a blanket and, and eat trifle the rest of the week. You know, like, that's yeah. that. That's well, Rod Gilbert did a whole documentary about his shyness. Right, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I think that is. I think that's, it's, it's, it's quite a sort of typical thing. You're probably mm. more likely to find it in performers than, than well, not, I suppose. we've all got our damage, haven't we? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you... If not you, me. <laughs> <laughs> not me. I think if you choose to make a living by uh, gluing artificial hair to your head and uh, shoving your feet into shoes that are two sizes too small, then there's some damage <laughs> in the background there. And does, does the anxiety... And you might as well be honest about that. <laughs> does the anxiety ever... Uh, create a lack of confidence or is oh that separate? Oh my god, yes, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Um, but, I mean, partly it's not really me, it's not really me out there. You know? Right. Uh, and also if you... I don't know. My, it's about making a relationship with people and it right. doesn't have to... It doesn't have to always be bright and shiny and happy, you know? I mean... It, it, if, if it is, it, it feels like a lie. Well, exactly. You know, exactly that. So uh, it's, I'm not afraid of showing that damage to people, you know, because that's who I am. And uh, if it can help anybody else find any kind of humour in their own damage, then that's great, you know. But it's mainly about me, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's the other thing about performing, where ultimately it is selfish. I always think yes. that when people, when people talk about, like... Um, um, uh, well, this, this sounds almost like a mental healthy thing, but I don't mean it to. But more like, so after this, on a Friday, I often go, I go to my therapist because that's where I say. But he often talks about things where he'll talk about, when you mention stand-up, he often talks about the audience. And I always go, I don't really care about this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's more, I mean, they're sort of like a... This is a, not for them. Yeah, it's yeah. not really for them. No. I mean, they're there, but and it's that's not right. really, yeah. Because, you know, like, having a car is selfish. Yeah. Having children is selfish. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not kidding. Yeah, of course, yeah. Like, yeah. They, the, the world is overpopulated. Yeah. The, the sky is falling. You know, like, I can be selfish on stage if I want to be, yeah. you know? So I, 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 that's how I rationalise it with myself. I'm not bothered about that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I want people to enjoy it. But yeah. it's what the... Ultimately, they're not the arbiters of what you do or you don't they respond to it or don't yeah but it's not it's not they don't really have an influence on what i do or yeah and if you you'll know when you run a show for a long time you can have a night when you go down and you think it's it, this is the sh- best show i've ever made in yeah. my life and then you have another night where people 
cannot stay awake. Yeah. <laughs> like I've, had, I've had both of those for exactly <laughs> the same show on nights straight after each other. You know, it goes People like are that, people so. are people. And I think that mm. thing where you just get in a different bunch of people. Yeah. And it's just that not everyone, you know, not everyone likes me who I meet. Mm. So it's like you just have a, you, you'll sometimes have a weird mixture of however, whatever percentage of the room like you. I and sometimes it's even more thrilling when they don't yeah. like you, though. Yeah. <laughs> there's part of me that really enjoys that. You know? that. There's a challenge there to win them round almost. And that's, I mean, that's something, that's when I really like an audience. I mm. really like having one people round. Yeah. I really like when you come out and someone crosses their arms and you go, oh, hello. And then by the end of it, you can check back and see, oh, their arms aren't crossed. <laughs> uh, so that's, I like winning over an audience, but I don't really, mm, I, I like mean, they're just sort of like a mass. Audience. They're a mass. They're not really like, I don't think you can think of an audience as being like an individual or like a, no. they're just a collection of different people with also all they've all come from different places course. that day they've come from different jobs or wherever they'd like whatever's happened to them you know it's yeah. uh, it, th that kind of that energy that they all bring individually together and especially if you're working on a show that's where you're performing on your own yeah you can really go with that sometimes you know you can take it somewhere else or if you're working with people that you work with a lot and you've got a good intuition with each other um it's fun to see what an audience can do to a show yeah yeah i yeah. mean I, I can't wait to see what they're going to do to this one <laughs> <laughs> so uh i was going to play your song now so oh, you great. so you just uh You've, your song is Sharon Jones. I just dropped in to see what condition yes. my condition was in. Yes. Sharon Jones. Who's Sharon Jones? Sharon Jones. Uh, it's Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. Uh, Sharon Jones is an amazing soul singer. And I, I realized on the way here that I don't have the dates specific for this. But she um, she's a soul singer. She had been working and touring for years. She was really, uh, really popular on the gig circuit, but never quite broken through with an album and then when she did break through with the album she got very very ill uh, and uh, she's died now but uh, this song it, it really relates to me in, in connection to the show you'll, you'll hear when you hear okay it. okay let's play that now <laughs> Helm and Nathaniel Metcalf's fan club on FUBAR Radio. So that was Sharon Jones. We're still here with uh, Ginger Johnson. Hello again. Hi, uh, but you have moved positions. Yes, I have. Because yes. you will be doing... Oh. We'll be doing... Oh. Oh, Natalie's come in. What's she done? Oh, sorry. Hello. Uh, oh. There I am. There <laughs> oh, my goodness. I am. Do, you know what? Do you know what I did stupidly there? Yes. I turned up your old microphone. Having said... <laughs> That you've just moved position. This is my first time running the desk. Right. I'm doing a terrible job. <laughs> uh, that was that was Sharon Jones. Yes. And you were just saying that that's not. I, I think I assumed it was like a sort of 60s no, era. No, it sounds like it was written and produced in the 60s, but it's not. It's uh, it's definitely within the last 10 years. I don't I don't know exactly how many. I'm sorry. That's all right. That's all right. And what was it about? So it's just lyrically. What was the thing that attracted you to it? Well, I, I love soul music. Yeah. Uh, and I play the saxophone. Uh, so I, I think that's what really brings me towards it. And also the Dap Kings are an amazing band they also played with Amy Winehouse and yeah. they've got a lot of stuff on their own as well uh, but uh, Sharon's just, just an amazing an amazing performer the voice is unbelievable it feels like it's kind of crying out to you from the past you yes. know which is spectacular that's the music that I kind of grew up around when I was a child uh, that's what my mum and dad were listening to like Aretha Franklin and Percy Sledge and that kind of thing so that's what um, that's why I love that kind of stuff so much I know it's on the screen there. It said you're a fan of toy horses. Is that yes, right? Yes, <laughs> yes. I've got a collection of plastic horses. That's right. I've got some with me. Would yes, you like please. to write them? Yes, please. Yes, please. Uh, 
get us a moment. Hang on, they're in. I'm a big fan of this suitcase as well. Right, so I, I found the suitcase by the bin this morning. <laughs> uh, which is great. So uh, this is the first one. <laughs> this is Diane. Um, <laughs> Diane's from Ipswich, and uh, she works May in I? a Blockbuster video. I know Blockbuster video <laughs> shut down, but she just stayed in there and runs the shop when she's not busy. Um, this is Susan. Uh, that's Diane's sister. Um, Susan and Diane live in a static caravan together. Um, uh, they say they're sisters, but I think they're probably lesbians. Um, this is Michael. Uh, Michael was once on. <laughs> Michael was once on the One Show. Oh. Uh, yeah, given his opinion about um, the European referendum, uh, and since then he's been in hiding. So um, probably shouldn't have brought him with me. Um, this one is Ainsley Harriet, not related, uh, and uh, he's the largest of all the horses. He's also got terrifying, scary eyes. Yes, he? Uh, who else have we got in here? Uh, David came along too. And, uh, I quite like David's Simon's fringe. Fringe. Yes, well, David's a little bit avant-garde. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. I think he, he spent a lot of time in uh, in France in the seventies right. and uh, took a lot of acid, probably. Well, he's, got, um, he's got a kind of Lamal kind of haircut, isn't he? Yes, from, uh, he's very shiny as well. That's what shiny. I particularly like he about David. Uh, anybody else? I would, I would hate to leave anyone out. You know, <laughs> um, there are so many. I mean, I imagine people are picturing this is Juan these horses Carlos. as being much smaller than they are, but these horses are. Oh yes, are you horses? Yes, <laughs> yes. It's what I feed them. It's what I feed them. Uh, so I, I only brought I brought a small selection just to show you, but I've got about thirty five of them. Wow. Your flat must be terrifying. <laughs> 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 it is absolutely horrifying. Yes, it is. Uh, so yes, that's what that's one of the things I'm a fan of. I've also started recently collecting um, trophies. Oh yeah, yeah, secondhand trophies. Oh, that's quite nice. Yeah, I, I, because I think it's so. I think there's such a like a power in a trophy and the, what you what you would feel at the moment of winning it and then to yes. get to the point where you're dropping it off at Oxfam <laughs> yes like yes. I re- and like I, I got a whole slew of about 10 of them all from the same woman this disco dancer uh, and she's got her name written on the bottom and where she won them and all that kind of thing it's really really amazing and I think I might try and convince her to make a show with me where she teaches me how to dance Amazing. So, uh, yeah, I've got uh, the, the trophies. I've got a big job, a lot of them recently, which was very exciting. And they've actually made it into the Happy Place show. They're currently on their way to Edinburgh. Oh, wow. Yes. The horses are very disappointed that they're not. But <laughs> I just couldn't afford the accommodation for them. You know, stabling. <laughs> stabling, in, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's nightmare. already it's an award-buying show. <laughs> <laughs> if it, yeah, and if, if you don't win an award, you've still got your trophies. Yes, so you yes, always... hundreds of them. Yeah. <laughs> Don't wait for somebody else to give you an award. <laughs> give yourself an award. I mean, like I was I, always desperate to win a trophy as a kid, and I and now when I see them in Oxfam's and stuff, I still get a thrill. Like, oh, maybe <laughs> I, it's never occurred to me to just buy it. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> give yourself a little ceremony. Play some music. Nice big drum roll. Set off a confetti cannon. <laughs> Beautiful. What else have you got in your huge suitcase? With your uh, I did bring my agent along oh, yeah. uh, just to keep. Who's this? This is him here, uh, but he's, n- he's <laughs> not been talking to him. Um, so, would you like to in- introduce yourself? But he doesn't make a lot of sense. I think he was my agent once, actually. I think And he's a baked potato, obviously. Uh, so, uh, I just brought him along to uh, so su- supervise. He's got a very good face, though. I do. Uh, yeah, he's not like bad, him. is he? Good eyes. Good eyes. Uh, I should show it in the cat. This is the issue. Yeah, 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 yeah. There he is. So Who's uh, this? Yeah. Who's, who else have you brought here? Who's oh, this is Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, he will demand a round of applause when he... When Do you know what? Yeah, right. uh, <laughs> I, I absolutely have this covered. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hang on. I need to just get him up to the microphone close enough. Of course. You won't be able to hear him otherwise. Hello. Hi. Hi. How are you? Are you well? I'm very well. How are you, Philip? Yes, I'm all right. Thank you. Lovely to be here at uh, Fubar Radio. Are you any relation to the actor, Philip Seymour? No, no relation, no. We just share the name. OK. How does it, We've actually got it on timeshare, but uh, I get it a lot more than he does these days. <laughs> he had it for a few years, and then yes. you've basically taken it. <laughs> Second hand. <laughs> Was there any foul play involved in your uh, acquisition? Of How dare you! <laughs> <laughs> I'll be speaking to your puppet council about this. Absolutely not. And Philip, you're you're one of the characters. Will you also be in Happy Place? Yes, yes, I am. I am. I I'm one of the Happy Gang. Okay. Yes, Ginger teaches me a very important lesson about monsters under my bed. Okay. okay. Yes. So who who are the other characters you all see in Happy Place? Well, my my boyfriend Simon. Simon. Uh, yeah. He's a cat, and uh, we have some. Uh, there are the twins, Peek right. and Boo. And uh, they've got one eye each, uh, but together they have twenty twenty vision. And uh, also uh, our landlord, Mrs. Bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Philip, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm worried that your ear keeps hitting you in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> it's making you feel quite uncomfortable. Philip, I, I think he might have been crushed a little bit in okay, the case. Oh I, I, no. I, I might, uh, he'll, uh, he will get on equity, so uh, <laughs> I think I might have to shut him up for a while. Okay. Uh, say goodbye to Philip. Goodbye, Philip. Bye. 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 Thank Philip. you. Bye. 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 <laughs> so, and all these, all the, all the horses, and Philip and the gang are all heading up to Edinburgh. No, not the horses. Not the horses. Not the horses. No, okay. No. You can live without them for no. for a month. They've got a dressage tournament on the twelfth. <laughs> okay. Uh, yes, in Solihull. There's a clash. So, yeah, There's a clash. The, yeah. Someone will be taking them there instead. Now you are going to do a special live performance. Yes, I am, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this is the first time I'm on the desk, so I'm, I reckon I am more terrified than you right, are. Right, okay, okay. So I think, uh, um, so I'll be ready, I'll be setting up, and I'm going to be... Would you like to introduce your live Yes, so um, this is a song from uh, a, a musical that it was in. Um, it was on Broadway. Wow, really? Yeah, Ealing Broadway, I think that <laughs> okay. counts. Uh, <laughs> okay. And uh, it was called Flatpak, the Flat musical. Pack. And it's all about the hopes and dreams that would tie up in our material possessions. You know, all that shit you've got in your house makes you feel like a human. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's about that. So um, I actually played a spinster in the musical, would you believe? And um, in, in this scene, I've, I've moved into my new flat. Having, having, you know, broken up, and uh, I'm surrounded uh, by all my boxes that I've not unpacked all my stuff because because I can't be bothered, and um, that's where this song comes from. Okay, so are you ready now? You yes, I think voice? so. Yes, okay. <clears throat> I don't know why I'm clearing my throat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was. Can you go back to the start? You just kind of oh. just kind of missed the start a little bit. <laughs> A okay. seconds off the start. <laughs> Got to count myself in, you know. Hang on. Does that then? I don't know. Have I cocked you up now, sauce? You might. You probably. <laughs> you probably cocked me up. If I start now, will they go back to the beginning? No. Is that that? Okay. This is just what it was like on Broadway. I know. I mean, this is <laughs> this is typical of me. Let's see. Well, this. Oh, do I have to? Joe, I knew. I knew this had happened. This is all my fault. Sorry. <laughs> That's all. Right. Okay. Oh, okay. Look at. Oh, no, here we go. Right, it's fine. Okay, it's fine. <laughs> Thank you, Ginger. Thank you for putting up for me. Look at this place. Why isn't it neat? 
All of me stuff lies around by me feet. Wouldn't you think it was time? Time I bought furniture. Look at this place, it's out of control. How many boxes can one bed sit hold? Looking around, you'd think shit, somebody burgled her. <laughs> but this house ain't a home, cause it's lonely. And I've no one to make it nice for. What's a bed without someone to hold me? That's what aches when I wake on the floor. I want to go to the Ikea sale. Walk hand in hand with a man I could marry. Picking out pot plants and choosing a new three-piece suite. Wouldn't that be neat? I want to go where the couples go I want to buy matching bedside tables His and hers wardrobes to make our love nest complete We'll dare to dream big, though the pencils are small We'll dine on dime bars and dodgy meatballs Wish I could be spending carefree at the Ikea sale I need a man who's happy to stand while I look at seating I need a boy that won't get annoyed and always agrees Cause I've got needs Only the Swedes Can succeed in meeting I'd remortgage For more storage They understand And we'll build a life From the things that we buy Take home the boxes And unpack the pieces He'll get his tool out And I'll keep a hold Of the nuts That's your dick joke for today Alright Thank you Is it too much Too much to dream That all my surfaces Could be wiped clean Wish I Could be Acting Spending carefree All together, right, at the Ikea sale Are you ready? At, at the, the Ikea, Ikea Wait! <laughs> sale Thank you, thank you everyone, really kind, ever so kind, thank you. I don't think the horses were impressed. <laughs> I'm glad there's finally a song about my beloved dime boss. Yeah, oh yeah. I've over on bar. those. I've lost two that was actually, to those dime boss. That was actually incredible. I think we were in this sort of strange, small, soundproof room. It was actually quite overpowering. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to recover somewhere. I'm going to have, to have, an, have, to have an hour off somewhere. That's beautiful. Thank you very much for that. You're welcome. What? What a thing. Now, we're going to play a game now. Ooh, a game. Right, okay. This game is called Better or Worse. Well, you have to say whether the next person is better or worse than the person before 
based entirely on my own opinion. Right. Okay, so you win points. So where do I fit into this? Oh, I, I have you, to you guess have to if you think guess. they're better or worse. Yeah. Oh, Jesus, right, okay. Okay, I mean... It's pointless and it makes no sense. <laughs> but so, like so much, like so much of this show. Look around you. Okay, so let's get the proper the proper music here. Let's see if I can do it. So this is on three. Let's see. Nick oh, wrong one. Wrong one. Fubar Radio. So good at this, aren't you, sweetheart? I mean, <laughs> do you know what? I reckon I'm better than Nick Helm. So, okay, this is the game. Beginning with Adam Woodjat, Ian Beale from EastEnders. Right. Okay. Is Adam Ant? Better or worse? Better! Better! He is better! Yes. Is Ant McPartland better or worse than Adam Ant? Uh, I'm going to have to go and I'm going to have to do my uh, Geordie job and say he's better. Better. I think he is worse. But he's quite a high card. Fine. He's quite a high card. That's racist. Is Barbara Windsor (laughs) better or worse than Ant McPartland? Barbara Windsor's the best person on the planet. Okay, she is better. Right. Is Barbara Streisand better or worse oh, than no, Barbara Windsor? Oh, no, I'll take it back. Uh, <laughs> Why, do you take it back? Uh, better or worse? Barbara Streisand is, is better than Barbara Windsor. She is. I think she's worse. Do you? You I know that she she's cloned worse. her own dogs? <laughs> you know that? Do you know what? She's better then. <laughs> uh, is Debbie Harry better or worse than Barbara Streisand? <gasps> this is really hard. I know, Debbie Harry better or worse than Bar- Barbara Streisand. Um... I'm going to say worse. I think oh. she's better. Do you? Is Prince Harry better or worse than Debbie Harry? Worse, worse, Much worse, 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 worse. Is Prince better or worse than Prince Harry? Better! Better, yes! Is Freddie Prince Jr. better or worse than Prince? Uh, worse, I don't worse. know who he is. <laughs> is Robert Downey Jr. better or worse than Freddie Prince Jr.? Worse, worse, worse. Better, better He's than Freddie really? Prince Jr. Is Cuba Gooding Jr. better or worse than Robert Downey Jr.? Um, I don't know, but I'd like to see them fight. <laughs> <laughs> and who would win in that fight? Uh, Cuba. I think He's Robert Downey small. Jr. is better than Cuba Gooding Jr. I think that's a good one. I think that's a good score. Didn't Robert Downey Jr. do that awful film where he, where he was in Blackface? Tropic Thunder. Oh, Did Tropic Thunder. Thunder. Yeah. Yes. He's a piece of shit human. Absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> What's that? Six. That's oh, a high score. That's Great. a pretty good score. Okay, so go. you are, you are, in fact, have you got a six? No. That's it. So that you'll be, so better than, we've had Lloyd Griffith, Harriet Kemsley, Morgan McGlynn, Last Skeptic, David Trent and Toby Williams with seven. And Nick DeSemlian uh, had eight. So Listen, you're if you're about to tell me that I'm butter of the leaderboard, you better very quickly be making up some people's names to go <laughs> underneath mine, or this is over, and, mate. All right? <laughs> but what it is, it's in reverse order, so you've won. But yes, of course okay. I have. Thank okay. you. Thank okay. you. Um, it's all right. Come back, horses. It's all right. You don't need to bite. <laughs> okay. And thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's been nice to be here. It's been lovely to have you. And Ginger Johnson's happy place is at the Pleasant Stone. Yes, 9.40 every 9:40 night. 9.40 every night at mm-hmm. the Edinburgh Festival. Yes. What room are you in in the Pleasant Stone? I'm in Tendome. Tendome. I know the room. Mm-hmm. I know the room. Apparently it's very hot. Oh, yeah. So I, I, mean, would, I would suggest if you do buy tickets, uh, maybe wear one of those ponchos you get at a theme park. Oh, yeah. Because coming to see me in a hot room is like going to SeaWorld and seeing Subo. Uh, Shamu. Shamu. <laughs> seeing Shamu at SeaWorld because you're in the splash zone. You're in the splash zone. I reckon you'll have to have hairspray on your face to keep the makeup on. <laughs> Not enough hairspray in the world could keep that face on my face. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you very much for joining us. Go and see Ginger Johnson's Happy Place at the Edinburgh Festival. Thank you very much to Hayley Campbell for joining us. Welcome. And I'm going to play out now with the Walker Brothers. Thank you for joining us.
You've been listening to a FUBAR Radio podcast. For more information, go to foobarradio.com.